0: everybody. Uh, we're here talking about uh, more Star Trek on Star Trek, Megan's Top 20. Yeah. And we got one of my favorites of all time. But first, before we get started on that, uh, we have a special guest this particular week. Uh, what Do you want do you want us to refer to you by your actual first name, or are you going incognito? Uh,
1: Ryan James. Ryan okay. C. James. That works. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, you want to go ahead and plug at the start of this anything you might be involved in that they can follow?
1: Um, I am part of the Parlor Productions It's Productions with a Z Uh, We just released our first uh, Introduction episode Kind of talking about Some of the skits we've got going on We've got an interview With Erica Summers On 10-10-2020 Being released on YouTube, Facebook Possibly Instagram if I ever get that right down And uh, Talking about our adventures Of working with Erica Summers On her and talking about her uh, upcoming movie, Obsidian. Whoa.
2: Well, well, so basically more successful than we
1: are. <laughs> We're just a podcast. I don't know. Eric is more successful than I am. <laughs> and and then all, you know, all of us. Sometimes... Sometimes I feel like I've gotten a little bit too into the game really, really late, and I've got a lot of catching up to do.
0: Same here, man. Same <laughs> here. I wish we were doing this back in, like, you know, six or seven years ago when podcasts were first a thing.
3: Yeah. But
0: mainly we started yeah. doing this because of COVID, and we had nothing else to do.
1: Well, uh, also, technology is a little bit more convenient. affordable.
0: Yeah, convenient now.
1: Yeah. Um
0: on that, uh, speaking of technology, is a good segue. Uh, we're watching. Uh, we're talking about Star Trek: The Next Generation's last episode, "All Good Things." Um, uh, I Megan obviously saw it when we rewatched the series. Ryan, do you have any particular fond memories of this particular episode?
1: You know,
0: before we get into the specifics well, of the story,
1: uh, revisiting it, uh, considering I, I mean. Probably late last year, I went through all seven seasons and I just enjoyed the series again in general. But the the season finale, uh, after Picard has come, to, you know, come into fruition, uh, there's a lot of really unique things that kind of shined a little bit more about Picard in regards to some of his choices and how they affect uh, the others and and it does tie in to the first episode of DS9 as well.
3: Yeah. But
1: the, the tie-ins of things, is was really interesting, especially following uh, revisiting it following Picard.
0: Uh, we should go ahead and state, I don't know if you're a fan of New Trek, but Megan and I are def- have come down on the side of we're not fans of it. We gave it a shot, we really did, but we're not big fans of it, just yeah. so you know.
1: <laughs> of which one?
0: Of any of them, <laughs> we, we watched both seasons of um, Discovery. Discovery. We liked one episode in each season. We watched all of Picard. Didn't really like any of it. There's the half good episode with um, Riker and Troy, but it stops the story dead. Yeah. And uh, we only like one really of the short treks, and we haven't watched uh, Lower Decks at all. Uh, we so you don't have
2: any thoughts on that one. We gave
0: the shows a legitimate try. We really did. I watched the first season of Discovery three times. And I just, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't. But I'm not saying that anybody out there can't enjoy it. Yeah. I just, we don't. Yeah. So, uh, but I will say one thing, and this is jumping ahead, but there is one thing I did notice watching this with Picard in my head. In the future we see here, we'll get to the specifics of the episode later, but just thing I want to bring up since you brought that up. Um, in the episode of uh, Picard where we see Riker, where we visit Riker and Troy, he had Troy in that timeline, and he gave up on his career and decided to settle down and have a family. Yeah. Whereas in this, when we see him in the future, he is completely devoted to his career. He's an admiral. He picked his own ship.
2: Yeah. He,
0: he has he has completely devoted himself to his career to the point that the, his old friends from the Enterprise haven't seen him in decades. Yeah so i I like that there was a distinct difference that deanna being alive did change
3: him for the better him for the better arguably yeah so i love that also
1: ties into some of the the novels at the time Mm -hmm. yeah uh it it really does um and i can't remember which one it was but there there was kind of a lot uh, a lot of them uh Did revolve, there were some of them that revolved around Riker and Troy prior uh, to their major relationship and how they weren't sure. Well, Deanna wasn't really sure if it was going to work, type of thing, and Riker actually went forward to try to change her mind. As well as there was the ultimate timelines where before that episode, uh, the episode that we're talking about of TNG. Uh, that showed a different timeline of how their relationship kind of w- was, how should I say, um, not really together, mm. but focused on other things. But that was still part of a different timeline inside the book, but yeah. it kind of retracted and went back to a present, so to speak. Yeah. And-
2: mm-hmm. It seems like new Star Trek is completely ignoring that kind of stuff as far as I know. Um, to be fair, I'm I'm, more, I'm a more recent fan, so I haven't gone through like the novels yet or anything like that. Yeah. Um, we just started the, the Star Trek Online. Which is a lot of. Fun.
1: Oh, I love Star Trek Online. I haven't played it in years, but I love it. Yeah,
2: we've, we've just... only made it
1: to we're, we're like seventy five
0: percent through the first Klingon arc. Like, so we're, like, really, we're early. really
2: early in.
1: <laughs> like we haven't done
0: any of the stuff in the Delta Quadrant. We haven't really involved ourselves with the Romulans yet. Like we are really early into most of the
1: storylines.
0: We just but...
2: got sidetracked by things like Dragon Age instead. Yeah, and... well,
1: the thing is, you can get sidetracked in Star Trek Online very quickly because there's so much
0: yeah. going on. Plus, uh, Megan wanted me to... Since I talked her into watching Star Trek, she wanted me to watch Doctor Who and we're working our way through all the classic Who's. Yeah.
2: And so that takes a
1: while. Completely different diversion. Uh huh. I mean, Doctor Who is an entity unto itself.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, but...
2: I have most of the novels, the early novels and stuff, and it was expensive.
0: Yeah, we're <laughs> up to the third Doctor right now. <laughs>
2: I think one of those novels cost me like 50 bucks, mm-hmm. honestly. But
0: uh, um, <laughs> is that... Um, your major opinions on your backstory with All Good Things?
1: Um, I liked how I, I didn't really like on how they brought in the disease that Picard was suffering. I mean, I you could definitely tell that they were trying to figure out if they really wanted to end the Picard lineage, so to speak, of, of, of shows. Yeah. But... And how it continued with Picard. I mean, I personally loved Picard uh, because uh, of a lot of different elements, and there was a lot from previous episodes in TNG that showed that there was a darker side to the Federation mm-hmm. at the same time. But, um, between that, I mean, there, even in the movies, showing that there was a possible change for Geordi Regarding, you know, his eyesight and yeah. how he, he feels awkward in situations and always admires uh, Picard for who he is, even whenever Picard is not in the right state of mind. Mm-hmm. And yep. Which that shows from the actual movies with the TNG crew.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And well, especially I think- in Correction.
0: I meant your initial watching of this. The first time you ever saw it. Do you have any interesting memories from when you first saw the finale of Star Trek Next Generation?
1: I was saddened because (laughs) I knew it was coming to an end.
0: Yeah, more or less the same as me. I I remember um, knowing this was coming and being really sad about it. (laughs) When when Mom and I, because this was a family thing sitting down to watch Star Trek, uh, when we watched the last episode, we were actually all quite it was, it was a good sad, but it was sad. But Voyager started right after this, and Mom loved Voyager, so we watched that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, DS9 was happening at the same time, and some people had moved on to that. Um,
2: My parents didn't watch Next Generation at yeah. all. We just watched some of the movies. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I'll so, admit that. <laughs> a lot of the movies are good. Not Well, all right. Yes, a lot of the movies are good, but there were definitely some flubs.
3: Yeah, yeah, we're
0: not going to argue that at all. There are yeah. some bad ones. Uh, so, anyway, uh, we'll get to the specifics of the episode now. Uh, the episode opens with uh, Worf and Troy uh, in a date scenario, which I don't know about you, Ryan, but me and Megan always felt the Worf Troy relationship never quite gelled. And it's sad because the literal point of this episode is we should, the ending of it is we should just do whatever makes us happy now because who knows what the future will bring. Yeah. And then Worf never brings up he dated Deanna. He <laughs> <playing> the
2: future. <laughs> <Ever> again. <laughs> in fact, in DS9, he goes on to a different relationship and you'd swear he was never in a relationship with Troy at all.
0: So Technically, he pursues two different women. There's that one-off uh, Klingon lady he's into and yeah. then Jadzia. Yeah. Uh, which is fairly weird. But I love him and Jadzia. So. Yeah, they're
2: great. I don't know about you, Ryan.
0: What did you think of the Worf and Troy relationship?
1: Oh, you could look at it and, and tell it wasn't going to work, because it, it it's Troy trying to change something, or she just, now, if we want to go into a really off-topic and kind of go into the gutter a little bit, I mean, she's just looking for a little bit of freak.
2: Um, <laughs> she wants, she, this is her BDSM
1: <laughs> I mean, she's probably read up on their rituals,
2: and mm-hmm.
1: just like, eh. Riker's not giving it to me. His one leg over the chair he ain't doing it for me anymore. Come on. You know? To be fair, her mom is pretty kinky, so I'm sure she
0: got some of that stuff from her.
2: Yeah. Her mom's
0: like ready to strip naked in any scenario. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: so. It's
2: formal enough She's for me. She's just a
1: free spirit. <laughs> big, big quotation marks. Um, yeah, Lwaxana tr- Lwax is a whole other topic worms. unto its own. She literally, you know
0: what made me—I remembered in this when we were watching—and and the, and the Troy you just made me think of. There's that episode where Loaxana's like sex drive is overcharged, and she's looking for a mate on the the star in the crew, and she eventually settles on Riker because he was half nice to her, and then you know Riker has to bow out. But there's a great moment earlier when she's going, from, yeah, when she's going from person to person on the crew, like I'm mean, going to find a mate, and she goes past uh, Wesley. She goes, he's got virility, but he's too young. And then she walks over to Wharf and goes, oh, his mind is primitive and powerful, but I've grown accustomed to human companionship. And then she walks off. <laughs> so apparently, her her daughter didn't mind <laughs> the non-human companionship. <laughs>
1: The thing is, the funny thing is about that about that entire scenario is that when isn't she overcharged? <laughs> That's true. That's true. And regarding to a Troy, before we, get, before we digress, yeah. um, there was an audiobook called Q in Law where Lwaxana Troy winds up gaining Q's powers.
2: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> and beats the ever-living crap. Out of, Q, <laughs> <laughs> because they kind of court for a little bit during in the book. That's weird and uh, very.
2: This sounds like a it, crack fanfic.
1: <laughs> well, we know in how on a Troy is very manipulative. Yeah, and she somehow took Q's words and flipped it on his head to where. He started getting confused and intrigued all at the same time.
3: Hmm.
1: And there was, there was a point in it where... She wound up acquiring his powers and... Scared the ever-living snot out of him. Including beating the crap out of him because she was mad. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, she was angry. I mean, we already know that she's a little bit mad as it is. Because she... Touts her her assets all over the place, figuratively and physically. Um, yeah, and I mean, it, back back during that time, the writing uh, of the book is very cheesy in a lot of ways. But I mean, you got John Delancey and uh, Major Barrett narrating the audiobook, so um. it, it, it's enough to keep me captivated personally.
0: Um. Side note, there's actually a... It was more of a play that was performed in front of an audience, but there is a quote-unquote audio drama where Spock and Q meet, and they do the exact same thing with those two, where Spock uses his intellect to turn Q's arguments on its own head, Mm -hmm. and then in the second encounter they have, they swap powers. So, so Q can read minds and Spock can control reality. So apparently, Spock and Lwaxana both know how to play Q.
1: Well, <laughs> so that's interesting. Thing is, Spock was always—he, I mean, even though he was a science officer, he was a huge strategist. Yeah. Um, now Q, he treats everything as a plaything and then winds up getting bested. Of which I mean we never really know more about I mean about the Q collective so to speak I mean we know that they're on the present but Q for this particular world either he's kind of strayed from the Q continuum or he has become or he's just mainly a representative for this section
0: Oh, we're going to talk about Q later, because Q has some great moments
2: in this. Yeah. Uh, But. We never learn more than what we learn in, like, Voyager. Yeah. Honestly.
0: But, yeah, so we both, the long way around to this is that we both agree that the Wharf deanna relationship is a little weird. I (laughs) think we all agree on that. Oh, yeah,
2: that train went somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. I I think what they were going for was. We knew it was,
1: we knew that it was doomed from the beginning. I mean, she. She was getting... uh, Trying to find a way to get over Riker and found probably a lot of worse traits, even though... Because he he shared a lot of human traits as he's progressed throughout the series. And... But yet, still... I are no, let's say more open-minded, so to speak.
0: Well, the original idea was clearly that they were opposites who attracted. She was much more calm and about emotion, and he was much more about duty and focus. And... That to a certain extent makes sense, but Jadzia did that while still keeping up with Worf. That's yeah. the difference. I can't imagine Troy ever being able to, you know, handle a battleth <laughs>
3: the,
0: the way that Jadzia did. But uh, well, anyway, we're, we're just because we spent like 12 minutes talking about the first five seconds of this movie, this episode. We should probably move on. Yeah. Uh, although I, I really love your insight into the fact that she really just wanted
1: some
3: hard.
0: A hard pinky sex. Uh, well, <laughs> that's an interesting With yeah. that
1: being a probability, I mean, he <laughs> did probably find some sort of charm in his honor.
0: Well, yeah, I'm sure. Because there are legitimately good qualities to
1: Worf. It. I'm sorry?
0: There are a lot of good qualities to Worf. I mean, I could oh, see absolutely. why women were attracted to him. I'm just saying it was an odd pairing for more than an episode. Yeah. Uh, and it's just weird that the entire... The entire episode arc for Riker... Worf and Deanna, who are the really the only people that get an arc besides Picard and Q in this episode, are about the fact that Worf and Deanna should make it work and Riker shouldn't be such a, 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 a cockblock. And uh, they end up never using it again. They don't yeah. show up in any of the movies as a couple. Nah. They don't show up in... It, Worf never brings her up in DS9. It's just kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they even discuss Commander Riker in this. Like, should we discuss Commander Riker? I'm like... Why should Riker have any part yeah, in this why, relationship? Yeah, why does this
2: matter so much to Worf? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I get because it. it's, it's honor.
0: I understand it's it's bros before hoes. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still a little weird that he feels it's necessary. Either he should just go talk to Riker about it on his own, or he should let it drop and Riker will come to them. Like, why he feels he's discussed with Deanna, should we talk to Riker? Like, why would? She, what is she going to say? You yeah. know? So Picard um, wanders in and asks what day it is and it turns out he's already been moving through time which was a brilliant way to
1: handle the opening because
0: instead of I us just
3: say...
1: hop huh? go ahead uh, uh, I wouldn't say wandered not even sashayed he came in with a purpose
2: Is <laughs> he? Yeah. True but he, you know
1: he's wearing like his
2: if there were curtains, he'd have gone like,
0: "Oof!" Yeah. You know what I mean. Like he's not sure what's going on. He knows something's happening. He doesn't know what. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that if he intended to go anywhere, it would have been the bridge or engineering, where they have access to, you know,
2: computers, computers and
0: scanners and time recorders. Like why he had to wander, why he had to stumble up on Wharf and ask him what time it was. <laughs> it seems a little, un, a little confused
1: to me.
2: But it, hey, it's at stupid. least
1: he didn't walk into Sick Bay with all those scanners because Lord knows Beverly would be scanning. Yeah, well, <laughs> they do later. But um, so uh,
0: then we get the opening yeah. credits, and I just want to say I love the music of T and G's opening. It's probably my favorite opening of all of them. Uh, DS9 has a good one, Voyager has a really good one, the original series has a good one, good variation of this. Next Generation is still my, my, my jam.
3: <laughs> I can't
0: listen to that and not feel excited for the future even when everything is on fire. <laughs> Just can't. Yeah.
3: Um,
0: uh, where, where does the opening theme rank with you two?
2: Oh,
0: of all the Star Trek series,
2: I'm not sure. Which one's your favorite? Well, totally Enterprise, right? No, uh, <laughs>
0: Megan, it's been uh, a long that's road. That's
1: right. There is a series called Enterprise.
0: Yeah, it's it's been a long road getting from there to here, Megan. We <laughs> have a long road left to go. So let's try <laughs> to be serious.
2: You're the one quoting the song. <laughs> Uh, I actually don't
0: know. <laughs> How about you, Ryan, which one's your favorite?
1: Oh, you're gonna hate me. I love the opening uh, the opening theme for the card. Oh, well, we don't mind the opening themes.
2: No, no, no. The
1: opening theme for
2: that. I don't mind seeing seventeen producers pop up on the screen and everything. We're just
0: talking about the music, Megan.
2: <laughs>
1: The musical composition told a fantastic story in relation to the card.
3: Mm. Yeah, about the pain
1: that he was enduring inside for for everything that he has gone through and the journey that he is about to take.
3: Mm. Yeah, um,
1: I, mean, I mean, but it's solely focused on the card. for the most part, and it became bigger toward as the series went on. Um, I do enjoy the ds nine. A little bit the opening for that, but yes, I mean, if you're rip roaring for adventure, TNG is definitely 100% on my list.
3: Yeah, no, the only one would really have
1: a-, a hard toss up because uh, s- these series are very uh, vastly different in a lot of ways,
2: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's so, kind of why I have a
2: hard time comparing them, honestly. Because, I mean, even... I, I might not enjoy Discovery, but it does have a really great opening. Like, yeah. I really do like the opening. <laughs> so... And I like the visuals for Enterprise, <coughs> even though the song is trash.
0: Yeah, honestly, <laughs> the only song we have a problem with is the Enterprise one. So we wouldn't hate you for liking the opening music of those two. No. They're, they both have good opening. I can't argue that.
2: Yeah, they're
0: great. Uh, so... um. <laughs> So then we uh, we get to, after the credits, uh, it's Picard talking to Deanna, trying to describe that he's been in the past and in the future, but he can't really remember much of what's happening this first time through. We're assuming this is the first time through. Yeah. And Deanna is trying to calmly explain to him that it might have been a dream. He says, no, no, I know this was real. I and
2: felt it. I smelled felt,
0: it. Yeah, and that's kind of the dropping of that in this time period. I mean, they do mention it once or twice later, but... Pretty much everybody on board of the Enterprise-D in the present is like, okay, if you say this is a thing, we'll figure it out. We trust,
3: yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's actually important for later, Mm -hmm. uh, because the theme of this, in my opinion overall, is trust. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we jump to the future. And it's great the way they do it, because it's right in the middle of a sentence. He just pops into the future, and we don't have any...
2: And he doesn't stop or anything, he just continues whatever task he was doing. Well, he
0: pauses for a second because he's confused.
2: Yeah, but not too long.
0: And then he goes back to doing it. Um and uh, the, we find Jordy walks up on him and we find out that he's now married Leia Brahms and apparently he writes novels for fun. <laughs> for fun, I, I think that's kind of funny because he was uh, Who does yeah, again. I'm
3: sorry.
0: Huh? Who does I... Jordy? Oh yeah. We're yeah, yeah, in the future. Yeah, yeah, Jordy walks up. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of funny because Jordy always played Watson in the Holmes and Watson stories and in the first. Oh, I didn't
2: even think about in that. In the first
0: episode of that when they first time he goes there he goes what's my purpose in the show, in the story and he goes your purpose Dana says your purpose is my sidekick is mainly to record my events for later posterity <laughs> so the idea that now Jordy actually just writes is kind of a nice continuation of that Asshole. like he he play-acted being a writer, and now he is one. I yeah, thought that was actually, kind of neat.
2: there's an, in a Voyager episode they also preview him as a captain of his own ship, which I like.
0: Yeah, but I, I agree that he I agree with Red Letter Media on this. I don't really think that he's much mm-hmm. of a captain. I, I don't hate him as a captain, but he doesn't really have the command drive the way War or Riker did, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Hey,
1: I, I was having a discussion regarding Droidy, uh the other day with my buddy er, uh, Eric Castle. And about how DS9 would have been a completely different series if Geordi was the, uh, was the chief engineer.
2: Ah. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I love O'Brien.
2: I do. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but that would have been interesting. But that poor character felt like, I mean, I mean, even in the first few episodes of the series, like, the poor guy...
2: Oh, yeah, they
0: made him suffer to way force. too much.
1: Oh,
2: I know, he went <laughs> through so much, but he also was kind of... A nor- he was... Compared to the rest of the characters, he was just so damn normal. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: the kind of guy you yeah. could really have a beer with. <laughs> literally. Like, literally. <laughs> uh,
2: but he has yeah. great chemistry with the rest of the cast, so mm. I enjoy that. So, But I agree with you.
0: That would have been interesting if they brought Geordi over.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, as the chief engineer, I mean, it would have been a completely different series because the way Geordi acts, and I mean, even portrayed in the future, I mean, I, it, it, even as a novelist, I mean, I bet you he's still writing technical manuals for the Academy.
0: Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. Uh, he mentions Leia Brahms as running the Daystrom Institute now. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. his kids have started, one of them signed up for Starfleet. Yeah. And I, I guarantee, he said, what, is he lecturing now? Uh, I think he said he was lecturing. So, like that. So he's still giving out information on how to make a starship run, which yeah. is nice. <laughs> um, then we get the, the confirmation that Picard has Aromotic Syndrome, and the reason Geordi showed up wasn't just to check in, it was to check on Picard, because yeah. he cares about him. Which is nice. I, I like that. It's a little weird that apparently Jordy had to fly halfway across the, the known space to check on Picard. And meanwhile, Data's at Cambridge.
1: And, he
2: and he's bought, just sitting in he his He not bother to show
1: up. <laughs> well, with
2: some well, to friend, be fair, he has like I mean, 30 even cats. If you
1: don't talk to them every day. True. You know, well, I just mean, like, Jordy. you think about them enough, something, uh, some of them will just show up and say, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. True. okay? That's fair enough.
2: I think, to, to be fair to Data, he has like ten cats in his room, and I, I can't get away from my three. So, I mean...
0: To be fair, the funny thing is Brent Spiner apparently hates cats. I know, it's, it's weird. It's really funny. Um, so, uh, then we jump to the past, after we have our conversations. Uh, we jump to the past, and it's when Picard has shown up like, the first time he's seeing the Enterprise with Tasha Yar in the shuttle. Yeah. And here's something I wanted to mention. Um, I don't know if you've ever... Have you ever seen the documentary uh, Chaos on the Bridge, Ryan?
1: No, I I was about to. It's
0: really good.
2: It's really good. It's about
0: the first two seasons, but one of the things that I want to bring this up is apparently there was originally a hairpiece that Picard, that Patrick Stewart was forced to wear when he was doing his first few auditions. And it made me think... Okay, at some point in the show, if they had made him wear that hairpiece, at some point in the show, someone would have walked up to the producers and said, okay, Patrick Stewart looks great with no hair. Just take the hairpiece off. Like, <laughs> just say that he went bald between seasons or something like that. And then imagining them having to be uh, authentic to the pilot here where he'd have to put that dumb hairpiece back <laughs> on would have made every single scene in the past hilarious. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would have been so I mean, distracted, Like, oh, my God, that horrible
3: hairpiece. I mean,
1: Being that that he's a Shakespearean actor, he was afraid of that role. Oh, yeah. That he wasn't good enough. And he's turned into very much a beloved icon in the Star Trek world for that generation.
0: Oh, yeah, I know. No pun intended, right? Yeah. Uh, right, but, right. <laughs> I agree completely. Uh, I'm just
1: saying... I mean, I follow his stuff on Instagram, and it's so adorable watching him with the, the, the foster dogs, and...
2: He's just uh, a cute old man at this point. <laughs> oh,
1: and for his age, man, he is one good-looking dude. Mm.
2: <laughs> He's one of those people that got old, young, and then stayed that age. <laughs> yeah, like
1: Bruce Willis.
2: Yeah, well, he started... <laughs> and got to work on
1: it, <laughs> this way. He still, I mean... Although Picard, it does definitely show his age, but it was meant to. But at the same time...
2: He still looks younger than he does when they supposedly aged him up in this episode?
1: Yes! (laughs) He looks terrible! (laughs) I agree. I mean, that fake-ass Amish beard that he's got on.
2: <laughs> I've made better beards before. That would have like said,
1: Imagine that, where he has the
0: Amish beard in the future and then the shitty hairpiece in the past. <laughs> we couldn't take any of this seriously.
2: They, they, they
1: it. transplanted.
2: yeah. It's, it's, they, it's,
1: they, they took it from one spot and put it on the other. The hair emigrated.
2: <laughs> Why is his hair moving? <laughs>
1: so, anyway.
0: Oh, God, um,
2: it's running away. Grab it.
0: <laughs> so, Picard in the past decides he can't risk telling them yeah. What's going to happen because he doesn't know the rules of this particular timeline yet? What will affect what?
2: And he doesn't know this crew as well.
1: Yeah, but they're still. They're, he knows
0: what well, they'll be. At least be.
2: They, he knows that they don't know who he is.
1: No, no, the staging of that is that he's the new captain and they just first met. Yeah, exactly.
2: yeah, I know, but
0: I'm saying like he decides. The reason he gives is that he doesn't want to risk changing
1: their futures too much.
0: Just he in
2: a... case it's actually the time, new timeline. Yes, yes yeah.
1: that that I definitely agree to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I mean, he's still lost in his world, and he's still seeing the the the, the, the crowd of judgment from the Q continuum.
0: Yeah. yeah and is just... a piece
1: that is involved.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: One thing I noticed, and this is something that is true through the whole episode, is that, and I, I checked this time to make sure I was reading it correctly, Picard in the future, old man Picard, seems to have a longer time uh, catching up with the fact that he's jumping through time and remembering what has happened than the other timelines. In fact, young Picard seems to be the one that gets it the quickest. Yeah. He remembers himself. And I don't know if that's supposed to be a reference to how old his body is or if it's just easier to be going back in time because he already remembers it. Com- or than it is to go forward where he doesn't remember any of it, you know what I mean? I don't know which one. I don't know what they're saying about that. But even old, young Picard understands what's happening in his timelines better than the other two versions do. It's the young gets it the well, quickest, may, the middle gets may, it the average, and then the old is struggling.
1: Well, the the old, it, I think he only knows up to a certain point and then after whatever he's seeing the age that point has passed so there is a gap in that timeline from future forward
0: well what I mean is that I think mentally he's having a harder time remembering that he's jumping through time when he jumps to his old you self. You mean maybe, does, like,
2: the disease is, like, affecting him more? Or? Possibly.
0: But it, it specifically, the youngest one is the, the youngest version of him is the one that gets it the quickest. The reason I noticed this this time is because when he's flying with Tasha, yeah. she says, sir, why are you looking at me? And he goes, oh, you just remind me of someone I used to know. And that's because the young version remembers that this Tasha's going to die. Mm-hmm. And then when you get back to the present... It literally takes him a second to recount what had happened. He can barely remember. Okay, I was in the shuttle with Tasha. I don't remember why. And then I was I was in the future, and I was I was talking Do you to think somebody. It's the
2: effect of the anti time too, maybe?
0: possibly. It might be that it's easier to remember the further back you go since you're. In... But the, the well, reason he's jumping through time is because He's trying it's to
1: recount stuff to Deanna, and yeah. since everything it, because regardless of what's depicted in the episode for our eyes things are maybe going a lot faster for the character in his mind.
0: Oh, I agree. I'm just saying I noticed it this time, and I thought that was an interesting thing to comment on, that Mm -hmm. the younger Picard is, the easier he seems to catch up with the fact when he jumps through time that something is off, Mm -hmm. which I thought was neat, and the more he seems to remember. Um, So uh, it's not a physical shift. They scan him in the present. When he comes back to the present, they scan him top to bottom no evidence that he's been jumping through time. They check his, like, oxygen in his body to see if it's been consistent with the ship's atmosphere. They check everything. They have no evidence. Uh, but there is a defect in his head that might lead to Aromonic Syndrome, but that's the only evidence to support what he's saying, and Beverly is really hurt by that, knowing that she... I, I get the impression she's blaming herself for not catching it sooner. But it's the kind uh, of yes, thing that...
1: Because she really cares for the car. Oh, yeah. we it really, over. Uh, over. Uh, old husband.
0: Yeah, this is the closest we get to her, their relationship ever going anywhere. Yeah. It's been on hold, like like Deanna and Riker. It's been on hold since
1: the first episode of the show.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, but thankfully they also set it up to where uh, that the complications between Starfleet and all uh, and staying a part of their to their duty they 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 resigned themselves to that and hoping you know picard most likely hoped for retirement so he can pursue that but also beverly never really let go of her past uh, her husband
0: yeah
2: yeah jack right yeah
1: jack yeah uh, it, jack. i agree I,
0: well, the reason i noticed it this time with crusher is that she literally does not refer to Picard is anything other than Captain until she's alone, until she asks Deanna to step away to talk to him about his, his mental defect. And that's when she addresses him as Luke. Yeah. Luke. She doesn't, as soon as she can get personal with him, she does. Which is, Quite. in my opinion, nice. It's a nice comment yeah, on She's always done that throughout the series. Oh yeah. yeah, I know. I'm just saying I noticed it here. It was, yeah, yeah, it was more prominent. Yeah, because it's supposed to set up the future storyline involving them where they got married and then divorced. Yes. Um, so then uh, we get a message from um, an admiral that there's something going on in the neutral zone. And the uh, thing I like about this is that it's mentioned that Starfleet has contacts on Romulus. Yeah. And their information says that something big is happening in the in the Devon system. Yeah. But my mind immediately jumped to, that's Section 31, isn't it? Yeah. That? <laughs> that was my mind's immediate jump. It's really funny because Section 31 isn't invented until Season 6 of uh, DS9.
2: I thought it was... Se- nope, it's season. season six. It's season six? It's
0: season six. Late season six, actually. It's like halfway through the season. Oh. And it's not until then, but retroactively it makes so much more sense
3: yeah. of almost
0: everything in the previous series. It's really... <laughs> it's, it's one of those ideas they added that retroactively made the shows a lot better. Yeah. Which DS9 was famous for. Uh, but that was my thinking on that. So I just wanted to bring that up.
1: Um, well, DS9 kind of... Lo- uh, tied tied up some loose ends
2: that people had questions to. Yeah. A lot of world building that retroactively spread throughout the series. Mm -hmm.
0: So uh, then Picard jumps to the future again. Well, he's still in sickbay in the present. He jumps to the future and he tells Geordi he wants to go to see Data. This is where we get to see Data with all of his cats. The thing I like most is that not only does Data now have personality because his, I guess, emotion chip is active, but he actually cares about appearances. He specifically grayed his hair out just because he thought it made him look distinguished. I, I agree with his, his uh maid, it makes him look like a skunk. But oh, yeah.
2: I think it looks distinguished.
0: It looks like someone took a can of hairspray <laughs> from a from a party city and then just sprayed it on a corner of his head. Like it doesn't look like actually. I
1: don't know any better. Let, let him have his water. face. And they went ahead and did that just for that scene and go, eh, whatever. <laughs> Well, I get the idea was they want to distinguish... You want to
0: make sure in every single scene... You know, you, who, you know the, who you're talking to. Which version of each character you're talking to. I mean, that's one of the reasons... It would have
1: been great if they would have given him a mustache or a goatee.
0: Yeah.
2: Legitimately, I see what you're going there. Yeah, the
1: mirror
0: Yeah. well, that's literally why they went through so much trouble that even... Okay, in the first two seasons of Next Generation, for anyone who doesn't notice, Megan did. If anyone who didn't notice, like me... In the original first two seasons of Next Generation, they had them wearing one... Uni- the onesies. The yeah. onesies, and those were apparently very uncomfortable for the actors. And they complained so much, they eventually designed a two-piece suit for them to wear. Yeah. Well, in yeah. the flashbacks, they're wearing their onesies again, even though the actors hated it, just for continuity's sake. And also to clarify to the audience when you're staring at them, you know that you're in the past timeline.
3: Yeah.
0: So that's...
3: Yeah.
0: That's how... The, so they just wanted something to differentiate future data... And they went with gray hair stripe, which looks stupid to me. <laughs> I still like it's, Data in this. It's
1: ridiculous, but, yeah. I mean.
2: It makes sense to with, me. Yeah.
1: With, with Data's pursuit for human aspects of it, that that's 100% something that he would do. Yeah,
3: True, but
0: it would have been funner to me if they would like, he, here's what I would have done. Have him grow mutton chops. Because that would make him look more like um, most depictions of Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Because or... Sherlock Holmes had the mutton chops. Well, no, not mutton chops. I'm no, sorry. He um, didn't. What are these called? Sideburns. Sideburns, yeah. Grow he out He did s-
2: not have mutton chops. Jesus no. Christ,
0: no. Watson did in a lot of his performances. That's why I was thinking that. Okay. That's why I got them confused.
1: <laughs> That'd be the 70s show Star Trek style. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but no, like, grow out some sideburns uh, on the character. And um, maybe have him wear a monocle or something now to differentiate him as older. Like, he wants to look distinguished. Glasses make people look distinguished. Mm. And it wouldn't affect his eyes any at you know, all. These, they're, they're, they're robotic. <laughs> you can see through anything. You just wear the frames.
2: Yeah, there you go. Pop out the sun, he would be true scene kid.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, um, just so we're established for anybody who's listening, uh, the seven years in the past is literally seven years. It's just over seven years, actually, because it, it was before the first episode of yeah, Next before Generation, Farpoint. and this is the last episode of season seven of Next Generation, so almost exactly seven years ago, and then the future is 25 years later mm-hmm. from the present day of Star Trek. Um, Okay, then we jump to the after the conversation with Data where he basically says, well, we can't disprove that you're traveling through time. One thing I liked about the future stuff is that everybody very calmly and very rationally is trying to explain to Picard this might be in your head. And they're all going very, very gently with it. And every time they start to, Picard cuts them off and says, no, this is really happening. I need you to trust me. And they all eventually agree, okay, I trust you. And then will do this, even though there's no proof that what you're saying is true. Uh, then we jump to the past, and in the past, it's revealed that um, uh, this is when uh, Picard starts seeing the guys you were talking about, the, the what are they called?
1: Uh, the, I guess the Judge Council from... I didn't know they were called the,
0: the Council, but from, okay, we'll go with that. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's like, a better turn yeah. from the Q continuum.
0: Well, I know what they were a reference to, but I didn't know what they were called. Um, but yeah, I don't
1: know what they're called either.
0: We'll go with counsel, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Uh, the Q count the, the judge counsel from that fake court. Or mob. Yeah. Um, or or Mad Max rejects. Uh, that's, sure. they uh Pure. Step away from the warp core. That's what they want.
2: Uh, they want them sand dune buggies. Yeah,
0: that's bait. <laughs> he's pointing at Deanna. <laughs> uh, so, anyway.
2: Flame guitars.
0: Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome to see. <laughs> Star Trek flame guitars. But, anyway. So, um, the one thing I like in this scene, uh, he starts seeing those mob members. Picard does, no one else does.
2: Yeah, more often. Uh,
0: more, this is the first time he's seen them in the past. He yeah. saw them in the future. Yeah. This is the first time he's seen them in the past. And he immediately calls for red alert while he's trying to do the the opening ceremonies. Yeah. And the thing I like is that everybody freezes, but Tasha, who is the most militaristic, immediately says, you've been given a direct order to your post, red alert. And they all just clear out. And I really liked that, because it was probably the most – it was a good step towards Tasha, who is by far the – a lot of the women characters in Star Trek Next Generation don't get much development. She got the least because she was killed off so early. Yeah. So it was nice they gave her some development in the final episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, plus, I like Tasha. I, I really do. I feel bad for her character. I like that in a lot of the books and stuff, they try to do alternate timelines where she's still alive.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but this, this ties into my trust concept. In the past, all of those people don't know him as a person. But they trust his rank and they trust his reputation he wouldn't be captain of the enterprise if he didn't deserve it so they follow orders they're still weirded out by him but they follow his orders yeah the present they trust him as a person they know captain picard and they would do anything he says they'd march into hell for him uh and they have on multiple occasions yes the future Uh huh huh? what ryan
1: i was i was agreed oh okay
0: the future, they're trusting his memory, and I'm putting that in quotations because it's both literally his memory and also figuratively the memory they have of Captain Picard when he was a great captain and one of the greatest captains Starfleet ever had.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, so they're literally trusting in who he used to be because yeah. they don't know him anymore. Most of them haven't seen him in a couple
2: decades. Yeah, I mean, they even Jordy comments that they haven't seen each other in, what, like seven years? Yeah. Nine? Something like that? <laughs>
0: Uh, I do want to comment since you brought up uh, Picard uh, in this future, uh, this future timeline, which we're going to assume actually really existed until Q messed with it. Yeah. Um, both Romulus and Data still exist. Romulus yeah. did not get blown up by a a weird supernova, and Data had not been taken out by the uber secret. Tal Shiar suborder that's holds purpose is to kill androids even though he's just running Cambridge
1: yeah
0: <laughs> so yeah pretty much I, yeah. I will say that is a little discontinuity there if I could be honest yeah
1: well, <laughs> well remember Nemesis is also another inspiration for Picard in regards to the loss of Data and how mm-hmm. Data has reacted so if we were to try to put piece those two together Q was trying to help Picard uh, create, uh, not do a bad decision at that time, and I guess during Picard, based off of the consequence of this current action in this time, in, in this timeline, uh, after. You know, Q probably just left it alone for a little bit. Had created what's the timeline in Picard? Yeah, but,
0: uh,
1: because at that point he was still an ad. He, he was still called an admiral in in this episode.
2: Yeah, and an ambassador.
1: Yeah, but
0: the point of yes. this... That- What I meant is that if the supernova, assuming that there isn't some weird explanation for the supernova, which there might be, in the original.
2: They say. In Into Dark, in in the original
0: 2009, the implication that J.J. Abrams said was that it was supposed to launch a TV show.
2: That was a super weapon of some sort. It was a super weapon,
0: kind of like what's used in generations to kill a star that would then kill the Romulans. Yeah. Uh, And as a result, it actually wasn't even supposed to be Romulus's star that exploded originally, it was just a star. Yeah,
2: that was was near the Romulus. Yeah, and it was
0: expanding constantly. And it would eventually wipe out all life of the galaxy. Yeah, it would eventually explode across the entirety of the galaxy and wipe out everybody. That was the implication. That's what J.J. Abrams has said was the original idea for that supernova in 2009 to spin off into a TV show in the original timeline that would be dealing with that. That was the original concept they were going for. Uh, so it could they could still use that in Picard. It turns out it was an, a weapon that we just it's not been explained yet. But yeah. from the way they talk about it, I'm assuming people scanned the supernova and nothing was weird about it. So because you think they would bring that up at some point in the story, it wasn't a natural supernova. And as far as the secret secret Tal Shiar wiping out androids people, they've been around apparently for centuries. And um, the fact they never killed Data, Lore, or B four. You know, when you assert when they were owned by Starfleet is weird enough. But the fact that in this timeline they've had decades of him not being in Starfleet and they still haven't wiped him out is a little odd. I'm just gonna say that. It's a little weird. Uh, but that's that's me. I, I assume that uh, that the lady half Vulcan, half Romulan lady is just biding her time in this timeline. We'll get him. She rubs her claw she rubs her, her knuckles. I'll get him. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know, because the Tulshi are. jean you know, I think, was the name. I mean, outside of... Um, oh, what's his name? The guy who actually created the clone... The, successfully created the clones of Picard. Um, oh, I see his face. I can't remember his name. But, um... It wasn't as big of a deal, so that's why I don't find it odd that they didn't go after Data at the point because he would still. I mean, even even at that. You talking about period,
2: Bruce Maddox?
1: Uh, Maddox, yes, Bruce Maddox. Yeah. Well, they weren't clones
0: of Picard; they were copies of Data. Right.
1: Since it was. Uh, well, Picard was
0: cloned. That's why I was confused by what you were saying. <laughs> uh,
1: I know what I've got in my head, and okay. it just
3: wasn't coming out right then gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Since, since there wasn't the Tulsa yard wouldn't probably wouldn't have gone after data because he was still the only one And and if they were trying to do anything, they were still trying to gain research because, Maybe. because being the only Android of his kind um, You would want to know everything about it without trying to kill him
0: Maybe I'm not saying because you're wrong. All...
1: Because, because of all the data that they were already, if the Telstra would have been able to compile prior to that, they probably knew that they probably, they wouldn't have been able to recreate it. They could create a clone of a body, but they could not create a clone of the android.
0: Yeah, I suppose. I, I, and this is going to boil down to your headcanons and personal opinions. I, I find it a little weird. Uh, but I fully uh, accept that you're... I mean, I've canoned a lot of Star Trek to make it make sense. Yeah. So I can't necessarily say you're wrong to do that. I, I'm not calling your theory wrong. I'm just saying it doesn't fit with my opinion of Star Trek.
1: Yeah, and that's fair.
0: That's how it works. Um, the one thing... Uh, we jump to um, uh, Picard in the future, yeah. deciding he needs to get on Beverly's ship to go to the Deverant system. And we get to see the Pascal, or the Pasteur. 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 Which I really like the design of that ship. Apparently it's based on some of the early designs for the original Enterprise and the original series.
2: Yeah, it is. But
0: I really liked it. I liked the ball. I liked how non-threatening it looked because it was designed to be...
2: It looked like a a rattle. I know it did. (laughs) Just don't (laughs) turn it around or it'll look like schlong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Looks like a rattle with wings. That's what it
1: looks like. That's a lot of the Cardassian Ferengi shifts. I mean, they all look almost the same like that. Yeah. Um,
0: fair enough. Uh, but I still like the design. I also like that when Picard shows up, he you know, they say, maybe you should go lay down. He's like, I'm not going to go lay down. Then he says, now I'm going to go lay down. And, he says,
2: go lay down. and I like He's that... like, look, I will not be patronized and shit. And then he's like, and now I'm going to go lay down.
0: <laughs> and I like the way that's performed, because if you watch uh, the actress playing Beverly Crusher... She clearly, is, is she said it that way to get him to do that. Yeah. Like, she phrased it like, take him in there just so he'd get angry enough to want to go lay down. Yeah. Like, she knows how to handle her ex-husband, and I like that. That's right. It's...
2: I know it's weird, I know some people don't, but I actually like the uniforms in the future. I, I don't know why. I like those primary colors, really, honestly.
0: They look a lot like the, um, the Kelvin timeline uniforms, honestly.
2: Not they really. look very
1: sleek and like they actually took their time with the uniforms this time around.
2: Yeah, and I like their pants. Like they have the just the black pants and then they, the primary color shirts, and I like that. I don't think it looks like the Calvin timeline really, but they I, use
0: the same. Um, yeah. They use the same uh, ones in the Visitor Future. Yeah, I love line. the vis-
2: Visitor. Which visitor is
0: great. Uh, so then we jump to the past again, and uh, it's right when they're supposed to be attacked by Q on the way to Farpoint. By the way, Picard in the past has been acting crazier and crazier from the crew's perspective. She's
2: like, "Where are you, Q?" And everybody's like,
0: what "The fuck." Worf has they, Tasha has one of the best lines in Starfleet history, where Star Trek history, where Q goes, Worf goes, "What is a Q? And she goes, "It's a letter of the alphabet, as far as I know." <laughs>
2: <I'm> like, <laughs> Which damn, is really
0: funny. It's nice they gave her a zinger at the end. Yeah. Uh, that's. That's why you
2: get play. killed by a tar monster. Yes. Yeah, I mean,
1: in some ways, the, the episode could have been done differently yeah. if Picard had clued in that it was Q ahead of time. Well, Instead of being kind of drug out in, in its own right.
0: Yeah, well, I think we all knew that Q was involved once we figured out that those were the... The, the
2: crowd. The, the crowd
0: were from the original pilot. Yeah, the
2: mob. Yeah,
0: but how many times has he been in the court? Well, once. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: But I also like that he knows he needs Q. Like, he literally... The reason he went ahead and went to Farpoint anyway was specifically to inter- interact with Q because Q, being omnipotent, would know what's going on. And thus, yeah. even if Q wasn't responsible for this, he would have valuable intel. Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, I also say the I really wish the skirt guy from the original pilot... Yeah,
2: why miss. wasn't he there?
0: <laughs> it's a celt. Yes. <laughs>
2: No, no, it's not. It's, it's a scant.
1: scant. It's literally a scant. And it's, it's, it's a
2: utelic <laughs> Make the scant guy a character.
0: <laughs> it's either way, I wish he was there. It would have been yes. a nice callback. <laughs> it's one of those things that if the show was... If, if Next Generation had started seven years ago and was ending now, he would have been in a cameo in the final episode just because people on the internet would be like, did you see the scant guy all over the place? <laughs> yeah. But because this came out before the internet, it... People have only noticed he was in the background really like, since yeah. this internet thing yeah. came around. So it's one of those things that I wish he was there now, having now noticed him. <laughs> I <laughs> went down the legs for it. <laughs> Been hilarious that they made Riker wear it. <laughs> Can you imagine him doing the Riker maneuver? And that oh yeah, kilt?
2: I remember <laughs> oh, man. I, I like how they. Excuse
1: me, Excuse me sir. Uh, your your phaser's
2: hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him that
0: that. Oh yeah, assignment. yeah.
2: Somebody put a meme online, and it's like, yeah. Riker often put his legs over the chairs because of a back injury caused from carrying his massive cock and balls. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've read that one. Before, right?
2: yeah. I was dying. <laughs> I was like, oh my a... god. <laughs> uh...
0: <laughs> so uh, so now we finally get to Q, because actor uh, Picard acts like a lunatic on the bridge of the Enterprise. He goes into his ready room, because he doesn't know what happened, and then suddenly he's just in the courtroom. And um, uh, one thing I, I okay, I'm going to say it now. Honestly, my favorite arc of any character in almost any Star Trek is Q in Next Generation, because his arc is from our prosecutor and judge in the start for the first episode. Yeah to our defendant and advocate in the final episode. And every single episode he appears moves that needle a little bit further along. If you just watch the Q episodes, you can see the shift where he goes ever so slightly, we earn Q's respect. Specifically, Picard earns Q's respect.
1: Yeah, Uh, They're pretty much like Batman and Joker Mm -hmm. of TNG. Um, They both need each other, but yet they both get so irritated with each other, yes. but they, but it is a pure infatuation.
0: Yeah, to a certain extent. I think it's much more Q's infatuation with Picard than the other way around. I, I think Picard is quite annoyed <laughs> by Q in this cases. I don't think
1: that. I mean, he... It's,
2: it, I think he comes... Cal- like, I mean, he does say thank you we'll to, get to jump that. ahead. Yeah. But, like, so, I mean, I think he learns that Q is not a... It's more of an asset than a. Burden at this point. Yeah, I'm just
1: saying at the start.
2: Yeah,
1: he found his equal, in his own, in, in a in a unique, really twisted line. Yeah. Um, By the way, I would pay anything. Picard for a... was able to piece things together, with or without his help, in some instances, but called upon his power just as uh, just as Picard. Uh, Really wanted to create a better relationship with the Romulans, um, and at certain points played on their strengths in some of these episodes to help all the way around, um, you know, and establish a better relationship. He knew Q, regardless of his particular mentality for the Federation and Picard. Picard did know when to utilize Q and his strengths, regardless of how much Q inti- it, it irritated the ever-living snot of him.
2: <laughs> yeah. And actually, it's what a I very think- unique...
1: It really is a very unique symbiotic relationship.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the earlier episodes that we did for this podcast actually was an earlier Q episode. Yeah. I enjoy... Uh, so that so it's fun talking about Q again already.
0: <laughs> yeah, I will say this though. You just made me think. I really, really, really want a comic book or something where it's the Enterprise crew versus Joker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how that would work out, but I would pay to see it.
2: Set Phasers to fruit
1: salad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I, I, do, I do love Q in his own right because he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a Doctor Who in the aspect that even though he can be everywhere all he wants he ends up being in certain situations that either can compromise him or find ways to manipulate it to where he uh, you know to make him come out on top. Yeah Maybe. But I mean he's kind of like a reverse Doctor Who in that aspect. I mean Doctor Who tries to help keep things in balance. Q has the opportunity to, not necessarily all the time, but if
2: he's an agent his of chaos, boy
1: toy is is affected in some ways. <laughs> he's going to allow him to be. There to help establish balance. Yeah, I can
0: see that.
1: He's uh, kind of the anti-Doctor Who.
0: <laughs> I can see that to a certain extent. Um, but Q, uh, you know, the, the the trial recommences, and Q's speech is perfectly written to give Picard a lot of hints and a lot of levels that you can understand later as what he's what he's trying to do. He believes, like it goes it's my own fault, I su- he doesn't understand, it's my own fault, I suppose I am the one who believed in you. Mm-hmm. And that's a nice callback later in the story that it, the reason this test exists at all is because Q believes in Picard. Yeah. Um, I also like the fact that um, uh, he says, I, could, I will tell you that I'm, I will answer the question of if I'm the, only, if I'm the reason you're f- jumping back and forth in time, only if you promise not to tell anyone. Now, he doesn't actually make Picard promise because, which is good because Picard immediately tells his crew. But <laughs> I, I just wonder, like, I le- wonder if that was like a continuum stipulation. Like, you can answer this guy's question, but only if you prom- only if you tell him he has to promise not to tell anybody else because this is meant to be his test. So Q said it, but didn't actually make Picard promise. He just told him, which is kind of neat.
1: Um, you broke through a lot of rules of the continuum.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. it's said in the ending. One thing I'm going to mention is that there's several scenes that, on re-airing of this, are either trimmed or completely cut out. Uh, one of them involves Q, which is really sad. Uh, but one of the lines they get rid of at the very end is when Q is um, is when Picard thanks Q. Yeah. That's cut out. As is Q's response. You know, because he goes, "Thank me for what?" And Picard says, "You got me out of this." And he goes, "I'm the one that got you into it." Of course, that's that was the Continuum's orders. The helping you part, that was all me. And that, that was a nice little... And he was
2: smiling. Yeah, that was... The,
0: I don't know why they cut that out. It's a brilliant scene.
2: Because commercials, <sighs> we've got to sell you the Diet Dr. Peppers mm-hmm. shit.
0: <laughs> also, I want to say Q does mention Trek Through the Stars, which is really funny.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: it's just like Q is almost aware that he's in a television show. Almost. He's, he's almost powerful enough to know that. And then uh, one thing calling back to the the trust issue thing, the different levels of trust, in the present when Picard jumps back after the trial conversation, he immediately steps out of his ready room in the present and says, "Red alert, the situation is more severe than I thought." And without waiting for any more explanation, Riker turns around and says, "Red alert," and the entire ship is red alerted, which calls back to the first, the, the, the red alert call in the past, yeah. where everybody was stunned for a second, and it took Tasha saying, hey, he's our commanding officer. Go do what he just said to do to make you realize it. So, like I said, in the past, they trust the uniform. In the present, they trust the man. And in the future, Picard can't get anything done when he's on the Enterprise until he com- completely explains his per- his reasoning. Yeah. So, that's, um, that's a nice levels, in my opinion. The, the ways that each... Time variation shows how different ways his crew is trusting him, which I thought was neat. Yeah. Um. Uh, by the way, Data uh, in the present, when they explain the, you know, Q admitted that I, Q said that I both have, am, and will destroy humanity. Data is the one who figures out immediately that the three time periods thing is why, and I immediately flash back to that really bad time loop episode in the first season where Data was the one that was sent down to shut the the time portal, and they were split into three, a past, a present, and a future version of himself. So that's why he's able to figure it out, which I thought was kind of funny. Why um,
2: do I not remember that one? <laughs> it's
0: not a particularly good one. It's the one where uh, that that the, the most memorable scene in it, unfortunately, is the holodeck scene where Picard is saying to the woman that he was supposed to run away with in that French bistro, oh. he's talking to her... Recording basically, and saying that you know, he couldn't bring himself to walk away from the Federation and Starfleet, he couldn't live a normal life, he had to be on that ship. Uh, it's an episode no one really remembers, but I just thought it was kind of funny because he split into three times you, you apparently
2: remember well, I like
0: that scene where he was split into three parts, and then Data's the one who immediately understands the three different versions okay. in this timeline because, like, Data's been through it. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Uh, um.
2: Eric just remembers random ass episodes that I, sometimes I'm like, is that real? Did that
0: really happen? Then uh, Picard jumps in the past again. and In the past, the crew is like, this is when he's starting to give orders to go towards the neutral zone, even though it's against orders. And then uh, he has a conversation with Deanna where Deanna admits that the crew is, some of the crew doesn't trust you, some are just confused. And he tries to explain as much as he can without changing the future. Uh, And then uh, it jumps back to the present and we get to see Tomaloc, which I love Tomaloc. He's probably the most famous Romulan we got in Next Generation because he's been in several episodes.
2: Several memes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh,
0: People who listen to this would probably know he was actually at this point filming uh, Babylon 5, which is a great sci-fi show. I love Babylon 5 to death. But there was a huge animosity between Babylon 5 and DS9. Partly because of similar ideas that may or may not have been stolen or aped. And partly because Babylon 5 was in the shadow of Star Trek. I mean, it was another sci-fi show that was trying to make it. But Star Trek was already established.
1: Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> when it comes to the Romulus, Picard was really one of the only ones that could really talk to the Romulans effectively to where to at least make them somewhat change their minds.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, well,
1: yeah, I would say I as, as an it aggregate, actually, yeah, he that probably
0: I was. I mean,
2: Spock was close, but he, of course, disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> I
1: mean, despite despite Tomalak, uh, it, you know, being a huge representative for the Romulans in the series, um, there was a relationship there. I mean, I don't remember what uh, Tomalak, was that in the, the past? No, that was or in the present.
3: What? Yeah, it was Oh, that
1: was in the present. Present. Yeah. So, that means that the established the, the establishment of their relationship was already there yeah. to the point that it Tomalak was a little bit more open-minded because how Picard treated the Romulans not necessarily with kid gloves but was enough to be able to respect both sides of, you know, Federation-wise and respect the customs of the army. He,
0: he knew how to play them at their own game, which is something that a lot of Starfleet commanders don't know how to do, um, frankly.
2: Honestly, uh, honestly he Tomahawk actually says one of my favorite lines where, where um, Picard's like, hey, we should do this, and he's like, Oh, is this Starfleet's idea? He's like, no. And he's like, I like it already.
1: <laughs> yeah, the
2: idea
0: was...
1: Yeah. Because it wasn't necessarily because of
2: Starfleet.
1: Picard gained the respect. And it wasn't... I don't feel necessarily it was playing their own game. It was using their culture... Not necessarily against them. Because he didn't always get what he wanted. He still established a balance... Between them, in order to still kind—I of, mean, they were going to
3: be—they—they
1: yeah. they would probably, if it weren't for Picard, you know, no, no relationship would have been there at all yeah. in this. In, in the I, I can see in what
0: I think. I can see what you're saying there, like in the Galorn and Core episode, the one where Jordy is trapped on the surface of that planet after they find a downed Romulan ship. Yeah, and he gets captured by that one guy, and then the, the Romulan guy, and they have to work together to get out of it. In that episode, it's literally that Picard is Picard uses the fact that there might be another you know, Romulan survivor on the planet as a way of getting uh, Tomalak to back down because they have yeah, the
1: compassion.
0: Yeah, because the, the two consistent traits for the, the uh, Romulan people are that they are extremely self important. And they are, well, they're extremely devoted to their own people. And they're extremely devoted to the state. And uh, to their concept of what the Romulan government is. Yeah. And so the only, the, the only way to really reach them is through explaining that you can save more Romulan lives by doing it this way than by doing it that your way.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So that, that's a, that is a good he point. He kind of
2: does the similar thing with Klingons. I would say so.
0: the, the person that actually beat them at their own game would be Garrick. Oh,
2: yeah. He's
0: good at beating the Romulans at their own game. Even though he only played them once, he won big. So. Oh,
2: apparently in the past he also did it before. But, yeah. you know, we, we, we don't know if that's real or not. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. I will say this about the new tra- st- Picard show. Uh, we both love the Tal Shiar, Butler, and Maid that are living with Picard. Oh, they're yeah, they great.
3: great.
0: And I like Eleanor. He's a Lord of the Rings villain, uh, elf, but I still like him. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Complete with sword.
1: <laughs> but it also still, even with that, it shows it, that that's part of the past of the relationship that was built between Picard as a representative for Starfleet, not necessarily Starfleet itself. Mm-hmm. With the Romulans, I agree. I'm just saying, I, I we both like those elements. He, oh I, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Picard, Picard did a lot for Starfleet, and did definitely lay a path that Star, what his, you know, following the, the, the law of Starfleet and its ideals despite the fact that, you know, I mean, since Sarfleet was so huge, of course there's going to be some bad apples in there that were going to muck up the works. Mm-hmm. But Picard stood up for the <clears throat> the honest ideals of it, even if he had to bend the rules a little bit, to create that connection. That's why, I mean, even the, the servants in Picard, they loved him for what he did for them and Romulus at the at the time.
3: Yeah.
1: And because I mean generations afterwards, they're not necessarily gonna uphold that as easily. I mean they're they're going to accept it. They don't not mean they're gonna like it.
2: Honestly I was actually really sad when they didn't show up again, basically, in the show once yeah. they were Oh
1: yeah. I mean no. they were they were really intriguing characters.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um that and also the woman with the Irish accent was rather uh, captivating. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Megan and I have a have an agreement that of all the species in Star Trek, the Romulans probably got done the dirtiest because they never seem to really get enough development. I mean, we know almost everything there is to know about the Klingon Empire, the Cardassians, the Bajorans, yeah. Vulcans, Andorians,
2: even some of the the um, what.
0: Deanna again? Uh, Beta Zeds. Beta Zeds. We even know a little bit well, about Beta-zoids.
1: the... Beta Zoids.
2: They're from Beta Zed. Yeah. But the yeah, Romulans, we uh, don't I know I that originally.
0: that
1: to an extent. I mean, it's... W- because they were so focused on Spock and Vulcan...
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, and the Vulcan culture, that it, it definitely overshadowed a lot, because... Mm-hmm. I I mean, maybe because because somewhat of the cultures are so very close, it was kind of hard to actually write for the Romulans.
2: We felt like there should have been somebody with mixed um, Romulan heritage on Voyager, you know. Yeah, we
0: actually would have thought it would have been really neat if um, that guy from Drumhead, the one who was a quarter Romulan. Yeah. Yeah. after he was drummed out of Starfleet, he joined the Maquis, not to fight, but specifically just to be a field medic, to repair people. He never got a full doctor's license. He was still only as qualified as a nurse or field medic, and then he got stuck in the Delta Quadrant, and then he is like the other nurse for the doctor. Because yeah. Kes shouldn't be on call 24-7, nor should Tom Paris. <laughs> they should have had at least one other nurse.
3: Yeah.
0: So that would have been a neat little storyline, and you could have learned more about the the Romulan culture or him. at least
2: what he knew yeah because
0: really the only episode involving the Romulans at all is the one with the little wormhole that goes into the past and we meet yeah. that one Romulan captain it's a great episode I oh, love yeah. that story it's one of my favorite
2: Voyager episodes
0: but it's uh, it's that's it the Romulans are never mentioned again in Voyager
2: yeah <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah I haven't watched Voyager so I mean I've Ever? seen a few episodes but it was not memorable to me it's yeah.
2: boring
0: there's some good episodes in there, but you do have to dig through a lot of boring and, and it, middling.
2: It's just a waste of potential. It really is. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but... Um, uh, with the Romulans, I mean, they, that and also they were very much private culture.
0: True, true. But
2: so were the Cardassians, really. So, I mean... It's, we learned a
1: lot about them on DS9. So. Yeah. The Cardassians were definitely, I mean... They they weren't afraid to make themselves known, but That's when it true. came to their technology and stuff like that, they definitely kept that. They're more boastful, I because they were. Um, you remember in Firefly? Um, Nishka. Huh? Do you remember Nishka from Firefly? Nishka. Yeah, the one that tortured people. No. By uh, Sean Yu is his uh, mantra. Uh, where he will... Oh, oh, yeah, him.
0: okay. Um,
1: That is pretty much the encompassment of the Cardassians. It's the, the
0: short guy with the big dude that was his, on the train job. He was the guy that yeah. gave him the train job.
1: Oh, yeah, the, the oh, one that had his own station.
0: You know what reputation is? It is talking, it is gossip. You know, if people don't live up to their reputation, then, I sh- then, then he shows them the... The guy in back that's yeah. being tortured, he goes, See, I show you what I do to this man, and now you know that my reputation is not gossip. So that's Nishka. Okay,
2: yeah. It's- yeah so we I mean, haven't I mean, watched sorry. Firefly that's
0: in. The Kardashians, it's been years.
2: Yeah. yeah,
0: we haven't watched Firefly in quite a while. still it's a been great almo- show.
2: It's been almost a decade.
0: Still <laughs> a great show, but it was one of the first shows I ever showed Megan, and she'd never forgiven me for it because it ended <laughs> so early.
2: Like, oh, I'm, I'm about to take one of these filters and slap you in
1: the head with it. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, uh, I mean, to me, I, I can equate Nishka as the Cardassians because, I mean, look at how he uh, and how Picard was tortured. True. That's true. I mean, unconventional and, torture.
2: I mean, look at what happened with Odo. Yeah.
0: In yeah. DS9. So, um, I, I completely agree. But um, if... Um, we still I still feel like the Romulans could have gotten more they, they should have. They're an interesting co- uh, culture. and yeah. we uh, never really got much Yeah. Yeah. We haven't even got a game from their perspective. Like we have like two Klingon games, Klingon Honor Guard and Klingon um, uh, Klingon Academy, and that was before Starfleet on Star Trek Online had a Klingon version that you could play through. And we still like I guess you have Romulans in Star you Trek Online. You can play
2: on as a Romulan. On-
0: but no specific games just for them. Yeah. Which is kinda sad. Yeah. Uh but anyway, moving on with the story. Um, Q this is where the scene in the future, when they get to all three of the ships arrive in the Devron system at the exact same time, in quotations, yeah. all three versions, uh, past, present, and future. And it's revealed that the in the past the anomaly is huge. In the present the anom- in the present the anomaly is pretty big. In the future the anomaly doesn't seem to exist. And um, so Picard uh, talks Crusher and Data into modifying the ship to scan for it using this tachyon, inverse tachyon pulse thing. Uh, and then while after the conversation, Q reappears as an old man and tells Picard again, I can't tell you everything, Picard, but you have all of the knowledge you need. In all three timelines to figure this this out. Basically. Uh, Then we jump back to the present and we get the information that the regeneration radiation from the anti time field is affecting people. Uh, And I gotta say, it makes no sense. It should make Jordy's eyes grow. He wasn't blinded, he was born blind. Yeah, that was a little weird. I I can buy it in Insurrection because it's supposed to be constantly generating healing effects. Like his his eye line might be dead, yeah. but it, this is literally supposed to reverse your aging, basically. And at no point in his life did he ever have eyes, <laughs> so that I mean,
1: he had eyes. It's just well, the, the ocular nerves
0: did not. You know what I mean? They weren't connected in such a way. It wasn't designed. He was never able to see. Was the point I was getting right. at? So it makes yeah. it makes no sense that it should affect him that way. But okay, it's a good way of distinguishing him again from other versions of himself. Yeah. So we don't confuse him with the one in the past, both of which have their visors. Yeah. And the one in the future has the cyber guys he uses in... Uh, which
2: look really cool. ...in First
0: Contact, so yep. I, I can forgive that.
2: He could wear those during Reading Rainbow, and I'd be cool with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, we discover this anomaly is an anti-time thing, which is... Technobabble. babble, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have a phase-inducer's callback. There's a great moment in the future where Jordy says, when he's walking up to Picard says, Captain, we have a problem with the warp nacelles or the phase inducers or some damn thing. Yeah. And then in this, Geordi, uh, after they're being a, the Pasteur is being attacked by the Klingons, uh, Jordy literally says, We have a problem with the engines. The phase inducers are going off." <laughs> which,
2: was, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> I don't think it was
0: intentional, but it's really funny.
2: I think it was intentional, <laughs>
0: honestly. <laughs> um, uh, Worf signals after... Uh, Picard, uh, Beverly Picard, the captain of her own ship, which I like that they gave that she yeah. actually was a captain of a medical ship. That's yeah. nice. It's a nice development for a yeah. character. Uh, she tells Worf to surrender and he signals surrender to the Klingons in Klingon, yeah. and they still destroy they still try to destroy the Pasteur. Yeah. Which is a statement on just how bad things have gotten between the Federation and the Klingons at this point in, in history.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, after conquering the Romulans, apparently the Klingons have just gone nuts. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: Martok is, is, is not running this particular version. The Klingons, yeah, I don't think... Yeah, there's
2: no way there's Martok leading this.
0: Earlier, when we pick yeah. up Worf, he's running a small... He's the governor of a really small colony on the border, and I really feel like that was... That was just a place to put him. Yeah. Like, that was... That like, was he'd
2: a, been on the council, they said, and now he's suddenly over here. Yeah,
3: to,
0: to call
2: yeah, back probably to...
1: probably because it's still the Federation... Uh, the Federation ties, and maybe there must have been some severi- severing of of those ties that,
2: Included. even
1: though he was, he, he brought enough to the table to be on the council. Uh,
2: He's got too many you know. close ties there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, sorry, I, dude. Yeah,
0: I also felt like um, it reminded me a bit of Star Trek Five. When they have those three representatives, the Romulan, the human, and the the Klingon. I actually like those. Yeah, I did too. But the point I was getting at is that they comment that Kern, I believe was the name of the Klingon representative. Yeah. uh, That he literally had been put out to pasture, even though he was a high-ranking individual and one of the greatest strategists that the Klingons had at that point he was just too old and too fat and nobody liked dealing with him, so they put him over here to keep him away from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like, you're over there doing your thing and we're gonna just do this. We're gonna run our empire the way we want to, old man. Yeah. And I get the impression that's kind of what they did to Worf, too. Like, even though Worf is one of the most famous... He's gotta be famous amongst the Klingons by the end of yeah. Next Generation. Like,
2: There's actually a theory, I don't know if they confirm <clears> <throat> it or not, but where he's like a reincarnation
0: <laughs> kind of, of
2: thing, of... Uh, Kalos
0: <laughs> But the, we already met Kalos
2: N- we well, the, th- the other theory is that That's not actually Kalos but his brother
0: Oh yeah, That's an interesting Because I've never heard they that. got
2: the blood from The, the Batleth the, Which wouldn't make sense that it would be Kalos' blood It would be the blood of somebody he killed mm. <laughs> Or injured
0: Yeah they should have cloned it from the Batleth itself Because apparently it's made from Kalos' hair so <laughs> according to his mythos. so they could have done, they could have done a Superman Scrape 4. Off
2: the metal. Yeah,
0: they could have done a Superman 4 there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but anyway, uh, we would have gotten we would have gotten a solar a solar Or I guess that he can fly but only when he's in the sun. Uh, but anyway...
2: Please go Super Saiyan.
0: <laughs> so the, the Pasteur is about to be wiped out by the Klingons, and then we get a really cool three-dimensional fight in Starfleet where the Enterprise decloaks and fires up through one of the Klingon ships and it
2: explodes. It looks actually really awesome. <laughs> it's
0: one of the best fights they did until DS9's big Dominion big, battle. Big Dominion battle
2: near the end, which yeah. is freaking... I mean, it only lasts,
0: like, 12 seconds, but it's one of the coolest things in Star Trek. I was
2: like, ooh, explosion, and then I'm like, oh, God, what have I become?
0: (laughs) Well, I just like there was a three-dimensional aspect to it, an actual strategy. Yeah,
2: where they come up from underneath. Yeah,
0: they didn't really do that in anything else except for Wrath of Khan until New Trek. One thing I will give New Trek is they do make the space battles look beautiful and dynamic.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, So, uh, then the, the past, you still with us, Ryan? Yes, sir. Okay, Megan's right. I'm just afraid I'm going to lose you. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: you never know around here. <laughs> oh. uh.
0: So we hit, uh, after the Pasteur has been damaged, we beam everybody aboard, the entire crew, except for Beverly's helmsman. It is a nice commentary that not only does Beverly lose her ship, she loses what looks like a very young, promising member of her crew. Yeah. She actually addresses that girl by name at the start when Picard first shows up. So she knew her, yeah. and now she's dead. And as far as they know, it's for nothing. There was nothing here.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, as far as they know, in the future anyway, this was all just a, a delusion of Picard as his mind came And they're
2: in. and they're going along with it, and yeah. got somebody killed.
0: And then, uh, so Riker gets really mad at Worf because Worf let them into the neutrals, let him into Klingon space. And then uh, Worf gets mad at him back and said, "You could have given them a cloaked ship, which is another sign that things have really fallen apart between the Klingons and the Federation. That the Federation is allowed to have cloaked ships now, yeah. which I don't know if it was meant to be a commentary on Riker's Riker's headspace. Now that Deanna's dead, how much more like dark and heavy he's been. But he was part of the crew that was trying to make
2: yeah. a
0: Federation cloaking was it, device.
2: Like the The Pegasus. Pegasus, Pegasus. Was
0: trying to make a, a, in an earlier episode, I actually liked that episode. They were trying to make a Starfleet cloaking device, and he says in that episode that this was wrong, we shouldn't have done it, and I'm disgusted, I was a part of it. And now, as an admiral, he is not only in favor of cloaking devices, he installed one on the Enterprise. Yes. That is a major step in just either how bad things have gotten with the Klingons... Or how much darker a person Riker has become since probably Deanna both. since Deanna died and Picard's gone away. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which it is. You're probably right. It's probably both. Yeah. But I just thought that was an interesting commentary. Yeah. If you're, I don't know. Uh, again, I don't, I don't know if it was intentional, but I'm choosing to believe it was.
1: Sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Well, when it came to the cloaking thing, I thought they sought after the Romulan cloaking mm. over over the Klingon cloaking. From their bird of prey.
2: Well, what it is is that um, there's a treaty where the, the Federation does not work on cloaking devices at all, and it's with the Klingons and the Romulans.
0: Yeah, I think it was part of the Kettmer Accords.
2: Yeah, it's part of the Kettmer Accords. So it could have been that they got the technology from either the Romulans or the Klingons. It's just that. Or the they developed
0: them themselves. Or
2: they developed it themselves. It's just the fact that they have it at all. Is yeah, because right. that
0: means
1: those like, accords no yeah. longer count. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, pardon me. I highly doubt that the Federation would successfully do it without having one of the two factions involved.
3: Yeah. Well, I know,
0: but the point I'm getting at is that it's just a commentary on how bad things have gotten, and that that the Klingons, like Worf, knows that the Klingon that the this isn't secret. Worf knows that the Federation has cloaking devices now, which means the kindermer cords don't count anymore.
3: Yeah. which is a really right.
0: sad statement and that the fact that after all of the guilt Riker felt over what happened on the Pegasus he still was in favor of installing a cloaking device on the enterprise says a lot about either where his head is or where how bad things are that's all I was commenting on
1: yeah uh, which I like um, possibly or it became more of a militant, uh, uh, that was part of the the class of starship that became part of the military class possibly uh, in that timeline and because of strategy uh that that particular vessel was more heavily armed
2: i suppose well uh, this is they said it was you
1: know kind of like a peacekeeper ship Is like okay we're you know, mommy and daddy are fighting at the dinner table. All right, well, we're going to have a bigger power come in and dissipate yeah. the situation.
2: I suppose. Yeah, but they did say that this was the refurbished Enterprise. So. Yeah, because
0: they were going to put it out to pasture, and he demanded it not be put out to pasture. It'd be upgraded. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we're in... Uh, he orders Warp 13, which I guess means they solve the lizard people problem from Voyager. And then... <laughs> um, if you're not a Voyager fan, you won't know what we're talking about, Ryan. But It's, it's, it's really, the
2: worst episode. <laughs> yeah. Easily.
0: <laughs> okay, so then we uh, then Picard gets knocked unconscious in the future. And then he jumps back to, I believe, the present. And in the present, Q finally, uh, he has a meeting with his staff. And they're all like, well, you can't start second-guessing yourself. Whatever's happening, we have to work through it. And then they leave, and Q says, it's a pretty big decision, isn't it? Maybe it would help to have a different perspective. And he snaps his fingers and takes Picard to Earth way in the past, like millions of years ago when the first amino acids were forming the first protein. Yeah. And he shows him that the anomaly has spread all the way to Earth, and that it interfered with life on on planet Earth. Which leads one to assume that it isn't just humanity that's at stake now. Literally all life in the Alpha Quadrant, and probably and possibly the entire galaxy, is at risk uh, because of what happened here.
2: Yes. Yeah,
1: I mean, although it made sense in the episode, but if we're we're deconstructing it, that whole bit really wasn't a needed scene. The the I mean, okay, yeah, it shows the effects of it, but. I I think it was almost jumping the shark a little bit.
0: I'll agree with you that it wasn't necessarily needed. We had all the information we got from that scene and other scenes, but I love how far Q is going to try to spell it out for Picard without saying it. He (laughs) needs to get Picard to the point where he can understand what's happening.
2: Yeah, on
1: the character basis, it it definitely shows a really great, you know, persona of care. For Picard.
0: It's it's like uh it's like imagine there's a picture of a of a bird in like a beautiful forest or, or a painting yeah. of a bird in a beautiful forest and and said and then remove all that and then uh, Q is painting everything but the bird so you just <laughs> have this white outline of a bird amidst the forest and he's like pointing at it and saying, what does this look like Picard. What and does this look like? Hey,
2: Picard! <laughs> uh, can you figure it out? Oh, <laughs> uh, ostrich! No! <laughs> Pooch, I damn it! Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's—it's. It's, I just like that it's a as a character moment. I like it. As a, yeah. I will admit, as, a, as an actual writing moment, it wasn't necessary. It but.
2: wasn't necessary because we had all the clues at that point. But I—I I, I just enjoy having Don, John Delancey on the screen at all times. Mm-hmm. So. I
1: want Delancey's. I mean, at... His character and character arc in the series for him, nobody, at that time period, nobody else could have played that character as well as he did.
0: No. I I don't believe, I believe that incredibly, Ryan. I don't believe anyone else could have done it. No. (laughs) Uh, So then after this information, Picard jumps back, and um, I want to say, through this whole thing, um, Q keeps saying, you killed all life, Picard. But I would point out that technically it was also Data. Because he's the one that initiates the, the scan in all three di- timelines and makes them all the exact same type of scan. <laughs> so, so thanks, Data.
1: Hey, <laughs> leave his accuracy out of this.
0: <laughs> he was just following orders, right? I didn't mean to wipe that all life in the universe.
1: Past, present, and future. Thank you.
0: <laughs> he is a brilliant man in any timeline to quote uh picard but then um so picard jumps to all three timelines then back to the future
3: <laughs> and, uh, <Shut> up.
0: <laughs> i got it in there and then uh when he's in the future again he wakes up and i was watching uh patrick stewart's acting from the moment he wakes up till he explains and looking at his face it's like watching fireworks going off behind his eyes. Because there's all this, like, he the moment he comprehends the paradox, it's like everything fits into place for half a second for him. And then it's just desperately trying to hold on to what he understood in that one second as he's explaining to the crew about what, what happened here. And I also love that Data's the one who figures out what he's trying to say instantly. Yeah. Uh, one thing I don't like about the future is that Deanna's only contributing point was that... She
2: the, died. She died, yeah.
0: and it drove a wedge between Worf and Riker. Uh, <laughs> like, neither of them really what got a over. character.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> again, it's doubly sad because Worf never brings up he was dating her ever again.
2: So, if anything, they say in the future that they never really got together, and I'm like, what? Yeah, so... <laughs>
0: Well it's just like Worf is angry at Riker because he laments never getting a real shot at Deanna but he had a real shot at Deanna after this and he never took it. So I don't
2: Worf in this timeline He threw away his shot Eric. Yeah
0: Worf Worf (laughs) in this timeline is just being a vindictive asshole.
2: (laughs) I don't think Riker's much better honestly.
1: His love for Deanna drove him to become the mayor of a small colony.
2: (laughs)
3: He was yeah, a senator. So yeah,
0: <laughs> governor. He was a governor, my friend. Don't don't you he, take he, that from he, him. That's
2: the equivalent of a mayor. For, but by the way, can I just ask you? Can,
0: can you imagine running for political office for the Klingons? Like, how do their voting processes work? Like, you have to slit your hand and bleed into one of the one of the, 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 the little slots? cups, and whichever cup has the most Klingon blood in it, that's who's elected.
2: That actually sounds pretty awesome. Can you imagine
0: them being at, like, a voting booth and, like, pushing buttons? (laughs) Or (laughs) fuck some...
1: Yeah. And my mind goes somewhere else, of course. (laughs) Meanwhile, you got that, you know, it becomes a political move... Yeah, you know, political pissing match. When the one comes in with a blood bag, this way he can cycle it through his body and he goes throughout the wound in order to fill it up more than everybody else.
0: <laughs> I I would like to imagine that most of these governing positions are the result of like the candidates that want it. They throw their, they literally like throw a batleth in the ring and they have to fight it out until only one is left. But then that would mean that no one like even in his like eighties, Worf is still kicking the ass of everybody around him, which is but funny because constantly gets knocked unconscious on Next Generation.
1: Well, the same time you never hear them complaining about population.
2: <laughs> no. That's true.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, there's actually a theory among the fans that they have the same problem Krogan do from Mass Effect, which is that they breathe like crazy, but their entire culture is built around death and destruction so much that they always balance out. <laughs> like, enough people die to keep them from being overpopulated. Right. which I mean... is. That's that how you run for office you fucking behavior. fight for it. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so um I also like that after you know Picard tries to explain the paradox, not only does Data understand it, Jordy immediately understands Data because they're friends. Which
2: Which the movies seem to have forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> uh
0: okay, so then uh when Riker's going like when Riker finally figures out, this is when the moment of we remember who Picard was actually becomes important because they trust in who he was and if he... if They remember him with his prime, basically. And if he is this certain of it, we should go and investigate. So they do. And then Riker says to Worf, we could use a hand, which I guess is supposed to... supposed to be ending their feud, but I do like that it's how they ended is by pointing out to Worf he's still useful. Which I honestly wonder what kind of future Worf could have had in the Klingon Empire in this. Because he basically allowed an entire ship of liars and renegades across the Klingon border. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure he's lost his governor position. Oh, <laughs> darn. <Yeah. laughs>
2: his poor mayor. <laughs> hey, for all you know, he had a tiny
0: pet targ he was taking care of on that thing, and now it's going to starve to death. <laughs>
2: I kind of like his future better in DS9. <laughs>
0: Also, what happened to his brother and his son in this timeline?
2: Fuck him. Right? Uh, <laughs> fuck
0: him. <laughs> I like to assume uh, Kern, his brother, not Kern, the old guy. Yeah. Kern, it was either Kern or Kern in the Star Trek V, but Kern, his brother, I like to imagine, went through the same process he does in DS9 where he gets... Complete, once the power is stripped from the House of Moog, he basically tries to commit suicide, and Worf knocks him out and alters him physically, So and then has him adopted by somebody else, so he doesn't <laughs> die, which is a really weird moral message. Yeah. And then I like to assume Alexander just like never involved himself in the Klingons again, like he became an artist in this timeline in Federation somewhere.
1: <laughs> well, what does he do? I mean, just paints Batlets?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could see
0: that. Maybe him and, and uh, Balana hooked up.
2: Nah, it would, it's him and Z L <laughs> Him and ZL hooked up. Artists unite. <laughs> yeah.
0: A Baj- half Bajoran, half Cardassian meeting a half human and half Klingon. Their child would be a very, very, a quarter, very unique. A quarter kid. human. <laughs> quarter human, quarter Klingon, quarter Cardassian, quarter Bajoran. It'd
2: be so fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking weird.
0: Imagine that, that <laughs> soup spoon with the forehead ridges.
2: Oh my god. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap
1: my head around that, that combination you just said.
0: It would, like, it would go okay. nose ri- it, What it would be was nose ridges <laughs> that would lead to a spoon that would go right up until the top of it, then it would become forehead ridges. Like, which would be so
3: weird to look
1: yeah, at. Yeah,
2: because ZL so is. So half... something
1: out of a Mel Brooks film. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> it, it would be definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah, because ZL is half Cardassian, half Bajoran and Alexander is mostly Klingon with a quarter huge... I'm confused! <laughs> Punnett so, squares
0: help me! <laughs> so anyway, uh, jumping back to uh, the show, uh, and Picard is told that he has to shut off the, the thing and other... He has to shut off the, the beams and the other timelines and then send the ship in using a static warp shell to rebuild the, the divide between time and anti-time. Yeah. And in the past, he says, um, we need to take the ship in. And remember, up to this point, the crew has been completely confused by everything he's chosen to do. So finally, even Tasha, who's the one that immediately jumped to his, you know, we're going to go to red alert from the start of this, she's like, okay, if we're going to risk the ship, I need an explanation. And Picard delivers a speech that basically says, I can't tell you, but I need you to trust in me because I trust in you all. And I know this is a lot to ask, but it's important. And they trust in Starfleet and they trust in the uniform and they trust in the ideals enough to not even question it. Like once he, once he gave his speech, they all just settled in and did it. Okay, if he is this certain that this needs to be done, then it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course the present day enterprise starts moving in and the future enterprise moves in. Then uh, all three enterprises see each other inside the anomaly. And the music here is amazing. Like I love how powerhouse the music is. Yeah. I was legitimately stressed and sad in those moments because I knew this was like the this is going to be the the end of the last episode of Next Generation. And not only that, but the music does a really good job of having you tense, but really sad.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so.
0: Mm-hmm. Great music, and then of course the first. Um, the first Enterprise explodes, and I'll admit it. When I first saw this, I got a little teary-eyed. When I was younger, because I was when, like like fifteen or sixteen when this came out, I I got a little teary-eyed when I watched the Enterprises blow up, because that really hurt. Mm-hmm. Watching them die one after another, especially since they're all doing a good doing what they have to do. Um, yes. So, the first Enterprise explodes. Uh, the, the youngest one because the crew is the most inexperienced and the, the anomaly was the largest. Which means... And
2: also the ship is not as advanced mm-hmm. either.
0: And then the second Enterprise, the Enterprise D, explodes uh, not to much more fanfare. I, I do like the fact that Picard tried to take what he learned in the previous like because um, Tasha keeps saying that we're losing warp containment and then when he jumps to the Enterprise D in the present he says, Mr. LaForge, reinforce in- containment like right now. And then the Forge is like, I can't, there's not enough time. Uh, And then that ship explodes. And then he's in the future Enterprise. And uh, then Q shows up and he says, Oh, I'm sorry, Picard, you almost did it. But all good things must come to an end. So not only does Q say Star Trek, basically, he also says the title of the episode. Because he's almost aware that he's in a television show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then... The, uh, the ship, the last ship explodes and then we get the white and then back in the courtroom. And Picard stands up and then Q, de- he says, what happened? And he goes, did we stop it? And he goes, well, you're alive, aren't you? You're talking to me, aren't you? <laughs> I love the line when Q says, um, hey, Q Continuum didn't think you had it in you, Picard, but I knew better.
3: <laughs> I-, I
0: like that Picard, that Q genuinely trusts in Picard. Yeah. This is the last trust for the trust theme, is that yeah. Q put himself out on a limb for Picard. If Picard hadn't figured this out in exactly the right time, Q would have theoretically been at least partly responsible for wiping out all of life in the Alpha Quadrant, at least. And But he trusted in Q, but he was ordered to do it, and he had to do it. But he had just enough wiggle room to see if he could push Picard to figure it out. And if he could, then they proved that they had the the necessary expandingness to their brain
1: to be worthwhile to keep around. Yeah. I do also, want to... Also, Q did a lot of that, so he did not overstep his bounds in Yeah, the continuum as well. So, I mean, he, he's broken some rules of the continuum, which he did pay harshly for. Yeah. But also... Uh, because the, the continuum, I mean, he's expressed that they are intrigued that he would... Have so much desire to learn more,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: about when he's supposed to know everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, he plays it off as, as if humans are just a plaything to him.
3: Yeah, there um, th- there are
0: four non-Next Generation Q episodes. There's one on DS9, which is not that great, mm-hmm. and there's three on Voyager. And the first one is by far the best of him. Yeah. And that one involves Q literally admitting that the continuum, when they turned him human, cowed him into submission. He still bends the rules. He doesn't come anywhere near close to breaking them anymore. Yeah. And that's that's one of the few things I like about that episode is that it retroactively explains why Q had to go so far out of his way to circumvent the rules that were given to him regarding Picard. He doesn't break any of them, but he does bend them as hard as he can to give Picard his shot. Yes. And he was counting on Picard taking it, which he does.
3: Yes. Uh,
0: which I like. Um, I also like uh, when uh, he goes, I want to know what about my what about my crew, my ship, my crew? I suppose you're worried about your fish, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. The fish. Yeah. Most important character to show, that
2: fish. Yeah.
0: And then this is where that scene I said that was deleted or Trim Down, where Picard recognizes that Q saved him.
3: Yeah.
0: And Q says, well, I'm also the one that puts you in danger, but that was the Continuum's orders, the helping you part, that was me. And the two of them, yeah, the two of them share awful. the closest to an actual friendship moment they ever have, have in the show, outside of maybe tapestry. Mm, yeah, um, definitely. And then this test was ultimately about understanding, that Picard and humanity need to learn to understand in ways they've never understood before.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I-, I do have to wonder, why isn't humanity the only one getting this test? Like, why don't Cardassians or Romulans or Klingons get wiped out by the Q continuum? Why just humans?
2: Because I feel like Q is just kind of attached to them at this point. Well, I mean, in the beginning,
0: <laughs> I-, I think it, the original idea was that humanity has the potential to go further than any other species, mm-hmm. and the continuum is afraid of what direction they might go and that's the concern they have. But it doesn't make any sense why they... like. I guess they're just assuming the Romulans and Klingons will eventually
1: wipe themselves out.
3: (laughs) Uh,
2: Did did you eat a book recently?
1: (laughs) Probably for the fact that, you know, a lot of those cultures that that we've grown accustomed and fell in love with, regardless of whether it is a love-hate relationship or we just enjoyed the culture, regardless of how evil some of them can be, they're stuck to their guns. And it's the fact that humans were always evolving in one mm-hmm. way or another.
2: More adaptive?
1: Uh, yeah, more adaptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would probably... puts a huge variable on the growth according to the Q-continuum. At some point, point. Some, of, some of those cultures they rely on so much of their culture, they've kind of plateaued in some ways. They're just sticking to their current guns, and that's, you know, it's like a Porsche, you know, they haven't really changed the model of it for so long, they just changed the interior, you know, Uh, just a little bit here and there, but a lot of it, they stick to their guns. This is what sells. Those characters, those cultures... Are probably, a, 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 you know, a, such a plateau, they're of no interest anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, you actually see that kind of in DS9 with the Cardassians, where they're kind of stagnating, but they won't admit it, you know? Same
0: with the Romulans. Same. What little we get to see, they, they basically stagnated as a culture for almost a thousand years. Yeah. Uh, the Vulcans had to rebuild yeah. after they blew themselves up, but the Romulans left before that happened, and they're still basically the exact same culture they were then.
3: Yeah,
1: I mean they—they they do even bring into the aspect of some of the Klingons. The Klingons, even though they still had a lot, they—they they thrived on their honor and their and their code. They did change in some ways.
0: No. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, yeah. compare the original version to like the end of DS Nine, yeah. original series. They have changed a bit, but they still had so stagnated.
2: slow with change. Yeah.
1: Maybe so, but
2: that Maybe that would still, easy. in
1: my opinion, that still may actually put the continuum, uh, put them on the continuum's radar because, mm-hmm. although slow, there is some change. Yeah, but but since humans are more apt to change rapidly they're probably worried on how on how that that colony is gonna burst the beehive.
2: Yeah. Um, fair point. Honestly a lot of the change that you see from the Klingons is because of their interaction with humans in the Federation. So
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I mean, look at Star Trek Six. The bonds that were were created in that. And that's by far one of my favorite... It's uh, mine too, mine
2: too. uh,
1: uh, ...movies. Because there was some... It it was a really tense political movie regarding... Especially Kirk, since he he went from a complete asshat to (laughs) finally realizing there is a bigger picture instead of being self-centered yeah and focusing on his pride his pride not not even really the federation
2: but his own
1: right yeah. and realizing that that just like in humans not all the klingons are bad some of them stick to their roots a little bit harder Mm-hmm. Yes. But there really was some that were trying to make a change but still uphold their ideals.
0: Yeah, Chancellor Gorkong, the guy that actually pushes for peace in that, is probably the one of my amazing favorite... Amazing character. Amazing character considering how short he's on the screen. Yeah. He's only had about the first 15 minutes of that episode, but he, for me, defined almost everything that would later lead to, like, Worf and the more Martok, like- and, Martok, and-, and the likeable versions of Klingons yeah. we
1: see yeah because he was amazingly strong their cultures interesting whenever they still adhered to them Mm
3: -hmm. yeah
1: despite how barbaric all right for lack of a better term barbaric in a lot of ways
3: yeah
1: uh you know from a human side looking at you know a completely foreign culture it would be considered barbaric in our terms
0: yeah they were based on vikings
3: yeah More or
0: less. Well, originally they were based on, like, the Russian espionage aspect to them in the original series, but uh, then they kind of merged them with the Vikings, and then later they became the noble warriors that we see in today. But, yeah, I... I, And then uh, they tried to make them more, like, Japanese feudal in...
2: Samurai. In the
0: new Trek, so... Yeah, it
2: was a decision. (laughs)
0: Yeah. But in any event, uh, so... I agree completely on that, and that's actually really fairly well done. I, I, I love Star Trek Six.
3: Yeah. It's
0: one of the best movies they ever made.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, but, uh, so in, but getting back to the episode, because we're almost done with it, the story wraps up in the present day where Picard runs down the same hallway he did at the start, asks Worf what day it is, Worf tells him it's the exact same date again. So we learn that everything that we saw never happened. Yeah. However, there is an effect on the story, because usually that would piss me off. It was all yeah. basically a dream. In this case, he told every member of the crew the future of what was going to happen, and I'm assuming also informed Starfleet that they were developing a device using anti-neutrinos that, or anti-tachyons that could, or inverse tachyons that could kill the universe.
2: Yeah, so <laughs> please don't do
0: that. <laughs> please don't do that. Uh, that would be a bad thing to, to to work on inventing. We should really regulate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, everybody decides to take an in information It's implied that, uh, I guess Worf, I guess the implication we get now, knowing the future of Worf's character and his relationship with Deanna, that Worf decided not to pursue a relationship with Deanna because he knew it would end up ru- ruining his friendship with Riker, which kind of screws over Deanna <laughs> pretty bad. But um, in any event, uh, they're all sitting around the, the, the poker game, Having their little discussion about the choices that their future selves made, and whether or not they'll follow them, which we find out thanks to the movies of Picard, they don't.
3: Yeah.
0: And then Picard joins the poker game, and he sits down at the table and he says, "I should have done this years ago." And then Deanna says, "You were always welcome." And then Picard gets the last line of Star Trek: Next Generation, where he says, "Uh, something like deuces on uh, five no card wild. five card stud, no wild." And the sky is the limit. <laughs> and then the camera pulls up, and outside of the ship, and we really see great shot. yeah, and we yeah. see the Enterprise moving off, and then the credits roll, and everybody who loves Next Generation bursts into tears. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: specifically, Card I mean, finally joining in a poker game.
0: That was a big moment for him.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I mean, it shows them how dedicated he was as a captain, not necessarily shunning crew. Because he did love his crew.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, he, he honestly loved them, but didn't show them the affection because he, he el- upheld his position.
0: Well, I have this theory about Picard, that the one, because everybody talks about how perfect Picard is and no one can be that perfect. I think his one major character flaw is that he had a really hard time separating personal and professional. By which I mean, it's not that he doesn't love the people underneath his command, or that he's even friends with them, but there is a hard line in his head that he will not cross. That's why he was always uncomfortable having families on board his ship. That's why he doesn't like hanging around with children, even though he's obviously a very good father figure. And it's why that one time in Lessons when he was dating someone under his command, even though it was allowed, that when he had to give the order to risk her life, it destroyed him. Not because he can't give that order, but because he cared about her in a way that he wouldn't normally care for a a subordinate. Yeah. And that line was damaged and broken, so and it and that's why he had to stop it. He couldn't right. couldn't be in a relationship anymore. And that's also, in my opinion, why he went so long never dating Beverly. Yeah. But this moment, after seeing the future where they all drifted apart and they all went off to their own things, he realizes that in this time he needs to let those walls down because this time will never come again. It's a line he brings up in Generations. Yeah. What matters is now. The future is unknown and the past will never come again, so treasure every second you have. And these people matter to me so I should be a part of their lives when they're not my subordinates. And that's yeah, why that was a big right. moment for him, sitting down at that, picar- that that poker table.
1: Dealing with potential regret.
0: Yeah. And I like that. And it shows, it's, it's, Picard also gets a bit of an arc. Granted, it's an, it's an unclear arc, because it's kind of set it up in a few things in the beginning, like with yeah. that time thing I said, where there was that girl he could have married, but he went and joined Starfleet instead, and I yeah. think that's supposed to set up the beginning of the, my life and my, my career and my life cannot coincide.
2: Yeah. And it, He's gotta have one or the other, he can't yeah. have
0: both. It's one of the reasons right. why they gave Sisko a son. Yeah. And a family in DS9 was to establish he didn't have that problem. He didn't have to separate those two aspects of his life. Even, yeah. if, it, even if it was only a superficial difference. Because he still loved his crew, like you said, Ryan. He still loved them. But he didn't have... In his mind, there was at least a division between
2: the He will effect- always be their captain before yeah. their friend.
0: But this is one of the times where he says, No, I, I need to be their friend while I have the chance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was a nice moment. Um, I agree. And uh, it is carried through at least a little bit in, like, the first two...
3: Movies.
0: Movies. Uh, Insurrection doesn't really delve into this. It would have been better... I still say to this day it would have been better if Insurrection was... Instead of falling for that random lady we never see again, he should have hooked up with Beverly. Yeah. Like, that should have been the the The, person he... The random
2: lady who has no acting skills. Yeah,
0: because... Not only would it have given Beverly something to do, granted it would have just been a relationship, but still something to do, it would have helped show the progression of him lowering those walls that I can now be in a relationship with someone I work with. And I can love them on that level and still be their captain.
3: Yeah.
0: That's That would have been more interesting to me than random lady. Uh, but, like I said before, it, it's my personal headcanon. I can't say for certain if it was an intended arc for Picard, but I'm choosing to say it was. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, Megan, now that we've covered the episode and how we all started seeing it, why did you pick this particular finale, and what what do you love about it more than the others?
2: Okay, so you know last week I talked about my favorite pilot episode, which was for DS9. Well, I decided I wanted to do my favorite finale, and out of all of them, this was the best one, in my opinion, even against DS9, which I love, but it has some weak moments in the finale, and the original series ends with Turnabout or Protruder, which, no. <laughs> uh, Enterprise, hell no. Voyager, eh. Uh-huh. And then, uh, what was the other one that we had here? Um, I didn't really... It was the original
0: series, DS9,
2: yeah, Voyager,
0: um, and Enterprise.
2: Yeah, and then there was Picard, which...
0: We haven't had a finale for those yet. They're still yeah. going.
2: Yeah, they're still going, and same with Discovery, so... Um... So I just, like, and, and the um, the animated series is okay, but I don't count it. It
0: wasn't really a finale. It
2: wasn't really a finale, no. So I decided to pick this one because I wanted to talk one of, about one of the finales, and that one was the best one, honestly. So.
0: Did you feel any kind of teary-eyedness when you got to the last episode of Next Generation? No. Did you when you hit the end of DS9?
2: Maybe. <laughs> okay. I was just curious. Okay, it's, it's, it's hard to know because my headspace was different two years ago than it is right now. Fair enough. So, um, but I, I needed to go through the entire series, and this one was just the best ending so far to me. So
0: I, I, I want to ask you something, Ryan, and you, Megan. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think, assuming that they had not decided to continue after Next Generation, that there was no DS9... I should clarify, not only was DS9 going at this point, when the finale of Next Generation was announced, was airing, they announced Voyager would be starting the next year. Yeah. And they, ten days after this episode was finished shooting, they started shooting Generations the movie. So we were just gearing up into the, the golden age of Star Trek uh, right here. But assuming that they had brought Star Trek back and they decided just do Next Generation and then end it, and that would be it. Do you think they would have had the story end in the future? By which I mean, it would have been a way of showing the fans that your characters all continued after the story was over.
2: Um...
1: Probably not.
2: Yeah, I don't uh, Probably know. not, because...
1: With... As long as it aired... They
2: would have given it a proper send off. Honestly, I feel like they were still going to make the movies, even if they didn't make any of the other series.
0: Oh, I know. I'm just saying if they decide to do nothing else, because uh, I, I get a slight, you know, a slight future storyline kind of from the future stuff. Like not that I mean, it was kind
2: of like with Parks and Recreation, where the last cause they, episode.
0: Yeah, because they go out of their way to show. Lots of little things to show these people's lives have moved on. They mention that Jordy has married Leah Brahms. They mention that Data's is working at Cambridge. They mention like you get to see where all their stories in
2: Yeah, but a lot of parts of it are very dark, they, and they imply that that's because of him remembering all this that it might change that. So I know,
0: but I'm just well. Depending on how you look at it, it might have changed it for the worse, because Data's <laughs> dead now, <laughs> three you know times over. You know what I'm uh, saying, though,
2: yeah. right?
0: And Romulus blew up. So <laughs> it's debatable if this is a better and future honestly, we're living I in. Honestly, I don't
2: think CBS was going to let go of something like this. I'm not saying I from a, a financial
0: think... perspective. I'm talking from writing.
2: I know, but from a writing perspective, no, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I As
0: someone who dabbles in writing and is still trying desperately to get you know any money for it, <laughs> Uh, I get a vibe that the, some of the ideas set in the future feel like, a, like a, a, an epilogue to me. Like it was supposed to... Like the original pitch for this, like the original pitch was let's end the show in the future, uh, but right when Jordy's walking up on Picard. And I imagine in this original version, things weren't quite as dark for a lot of the characters. Uh, Deanna probably wasn't dead... Worf probably was still a member of the High Council. Riker might have been a little bit, you know, angry, but he wasn't a villain. would not had
1: Tasha there.
0: Well, not in the future. I'm talking about in the future storyline. Right. But like, the last shot would have been, instead of it being in the present, it would have been in the future with Picard calling all of them in to uh, sit down and talk after years. Because he remembers what it was like to serve with them now, you know, because... In the, ori- in the past storyline, he meets Tasha, who died, and O'Brien, who left his crew. And then in the right. present storyline, he gets to be refreshed about, oh my god, I, I love working with these people. We were such a unit at one point. We were so close. And in the future, they've all drifted apart. And like the last shot in the future would have been him having that same poker scene, but instead of it being him showing up to the poker game, it was like he called a poker game, and all of them showed up from wherever they were to be a part of it. No. I'm not saying I, that's what they should have done. I'm saying that I can feel like that was an idea someone had.
2: Maybe. I don't know. It's, uh, it's really hard to but tell. But with them. the
1: representation uh, at the end of this one, it would have been just enough closure to still also leave the door establish, open. enjoy what you have now because you might not know what will happen next.
0: Fair enough. Like I said, this is just an idea that occurred to me when I was watching it this time. I've never heard any fan theories about it. I've never heard anybody say in the writing staff that was an idea. Right. It just it occurred to me. And it's not like Star Trek is above doing really weird and sometimes risky stuff with their finales. Um, I found out a few days ago that the original ending for DS9 was supposed to imply that Benny, the the guy from the 1950s who wrote DS9 in the in that Far Beyond the Stars episode, the last shot of that series was supposed to be Benny sitting on the Paramount backlot, like writing a, the next script for DS, writing the final script for DS Nine, implying that all of DS Nine and thus all of Star Trek was in that one guy's head. Uh, so it's not like they, and that was just shot down as a as a dumb idea. So it's well, not like they,
2: it was. It's uh, not like they
0: couldn't have they couldn't have pitched this at some point. Was the part I was getting at. But in any event, I'm not complaining. I I like the ending we got. It's still one of the best endings of any show ever. Most most television shows not just Star Trek but most beg to have a finale as good as this one.
2: Oh yeah because I've seen some shows that have literally died in the first, in the last episode and I'm just like
0: oh yeah well there's a long list of like How I Met Your Mother and um,
2: never have I seen an episode that was so fucking bad
0: <laughs> yeah or uh, what was that other really famous one that has a truly terrible ending that basically ruins the entire show
2: uh, there is a
0: lot. I know there's saying elsewhere, elsewhere that implies the entire show was in that kid's head.
2: Uh, if we think about it, we'll find them. <laughs> yeah.
0: But anyway, Ryan, uh, any th- other thoughts on this particular show?
2: Yeah.
1: No, no. I think we covered all our bases.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, well, on that regard then, uh, why don't you give us one more time where people can find you, if anyone ever listens to this podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, for me personally, I haven't been able to do it. Random. I am the creator of Random World Gaming. I'm also a part of the Parlor Productions, Productions with a Z. We're on Facebook. We're uh, Random world Gaming's on Twitch, uh, and that's about it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, we very much appreciate you visiting us for this particular review. Um, yeah. Thank feel you. Like for having
1: me. Not a lot of problem. It all if we,
0: fun. Uh, if we get a chance to do another one another time, you want to join us, we'll be happy to have you, but no promises either way, because this is all just for fun at the moment, so it's when we have time
1: to do hey. it. Yeah.
3: it's
1: all good. Uh, I'd be happy to join you again.
0: Well, we appreciate it, man. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, to any of our listeners... In, all
2: zero of them. Yeah, <laughs> present
0: or the future, uh, we hope you've enjoyed our review and discussion on Star Trek Next Generation All Good Things, one of the best episodes of Trek ever. Uh, and we will uh, be back next week with yet another Star Trek episode. I believe we're up, this is number eight, I think.
2: Uh, eight or
0: nine. So we're only, we're almost halfway there. it's
2: eight or nine, yeah.
0: Uh, in the meantime, this is Eric.
2: This is Megan.
0: This is Ryan. And you guys have a good one, and we'll be back next time.
3: Bye. Yeah.